For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. I see also in the UK Daily Mail this morning, the Daily Mail edition from the UK, that they're heading into another month of uh, dry spell there. And that means that some parts of the UK uh, have hose pipe bans because of drought and water restrictions. So in particular areas uh, of the UK, uh, they have organised um, snitch on your neighbour I don't know how they'd prove it. I don't know. They're, they're suggesting that customers should get in touch if a neighbour is ignoring the hose pipe bans. Because about three million homes now face water restrictions because of the UK's you know, record-breaking dry spell. So they're saying um, there's a contact link on their website uh, for, uh, as the mail puts it this morning, Brits who spot their neighbour uh, filling up paddling pools or washing their cars. Um, there's a fine of a thousand euro. Like there's a quote in the mail this morning says, uh, fellas says, there's a neighbour of mine who's always washing his pride and joy outside the driveway assume he's talking about his car. He doesn't know yet, but there'll be a fine coming his way as soon as the host pipe ban is enforced. I mean, imagine doing that to your neighbour, the person that you'd meet on a daily basis. Say, Hi, how are you? Lovely day. How are the family? Where'd you go on your halls? Any plans for the weekend? And then calling a hotline to snitch on them. Uh, I mean, oh, okay, it's serious stuff. How would you prove that? I mean, would you have to send a photograph? Would you have to take a pic with your phone and send it? Catch him in the act? I don't know. But uh, that's the story there, and that's weather-related. Um, the, the, that, that, um, that killing in Mountjoy dominates the front of many of the red tops today. Gardaí believe, or as the sun puts it this morning, cops believe another lag may have offered 200 euro of heroin in exchange for the vicious beating that led to the death of Robert O'Connor, killed for just 200 euro worth of heroin as a front pager in the sun today. You know, with regards to energy um, and stories regarding, you know, fuel and energy prices and utility companies and the profits that they make, Michael Martin is saying this morning in the Star that motorists will get further financial support against the cost of fuel at the petrol pumps I don't know. I imagine he's talking about something to do with the budget. Uh, he doesn't believe that they'll be rationing this winter either. I cycled in this morning and I noticed, and I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on this, I saw two garages on the Model Farm Road. Now, the Lee garage on the Model Farm Road, I believe, throughout all of this, has been really, really competitive, in fairness to them. They really have. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw two of them this morning on the Model Farm Road, both of them selling unleaded for 179 You know that 178.9 business that they do? So, Euro 79 for unleaded. I wonder if there are others like that. Uh, text 0868 or perhaps lower. That's the lowest I've seen it in a while. And it started a bit of a barney here this morning. I was asking, how high did unleaded actually go? Because uh, I, I swear to God, I thought it went well over 220, but uh, the lads were telling me, nah, around about 215, 260. I thought it was higher than that. But anyway, 179. I wonder if there's anyone uh, like that or even lower. Uh, let me know. Text 0868104106. Yesterday I was telling you about a man um, with uh, sight issues who's on a waiting list for an ophthalmologist appointment of five and a half years. This morning in the Echo, there's the story of uh, Eddie O'Brien, a 78-year-old amputee from Rathcormac who spent 60 years of his life in agony. He was using old-fashioned wooden prosthetic legs. Now, apparently, they were put together with wood, metal bolts and leather straps. Um, And he was in constant agony for 60 years and his skin would be red raw. Last week, he received a new prosthesis, prosthetic leg, with the help of a disability advocacy group called Physical Impairment Ireland. 
uh, and he's delighted. But his family said that um, he was never, ever told in all those years, 60 years, he was never told that he was entitled to a modern replacement for his clunky and uncomfortable prosthetic leg, even after the point when his prosthetic wood, metal and bolts and leathers, they stopped making the parts of the replacement or even making this wooden one. Uh, imagine that, 60 years uh, and in, in incredible pain. So front pagers, no wonder the front page headline is, we have been through hell and back. And HSE related issues, Rishi Sunak has promised in the UK, they have a big problem in the UK, is like we do here, with people missing hospital appointments. And he's saying that um, if you miss the first one, you'll be given the benefit of the doubt if he's the new um, Prime Minister. But if you miss the second one, you'll be fined £10 sterling. So they need to try and tackle uh, people who just don't turn up or miss hospital appointments. So I was just looking at the issues this morning regarding Ireland. The statistics are a little on the old side, but certainly when you look at 2020, 44,000 people missed hospital appointments in Cork and Kerry in 2020. And that means 44,000 other people desperately needing a hospital appointment uh, missed out on one because 44,000 others didn't even bother to show up. Uh, Some are suggesting if you miss a hospital appointment you should be removed from the waiting list. Uh, When you look then at the last available figure for the entire country that figure is like five years old. Nearly half a million people nearly half a million in 2017 476,000 people did not attend a hospital appointment. Isn't that absolutely shocking? I think it is. Your thoughts on that are welcome. And then there's the CUH employee that makes the examiner front page that was paid over a nine-year period €416,000 overpaid in salary. You can work it out what what, what that was per year yourself. But um, to date, none of the money has been paid back. I'm assuming you'd have to pay it back even if you spent it. That's a head wreck forever, got it. I uh, don't know whether they noticed it or not, but nearly half a million over nine years, you probably would notice it. I mean, if it was a bank, you'd have to give it back. Uh, Michael Healy-Ray, hopefully I'll be chatting with him in a few minutes' time, makes the papers today because he equates hair coursing uh, to a motorist knocking down a deer on the road. And that has incensed anti-coursing campaigners. And they've criticised the comments made by uh, Michael Healy-Ray that killing hairs in coursing is the equivalent to accidental roadkill. So more on that in a few minutes' time. Be very aware as well, there are fake 20 euro coins out there. Coin artist alert is a headline making many of the red tops. To, God, no, I'd have no idea. There must be money in it. Why would you make counterfeit two euro coins? You think you might make counterfeit fivers or tenors or twenties. Maybe they're easier to spot than a coin. But there's a rake of them around, apparently. And the Guardi are warning people. And in fact, the Mail this morning tells you how you can tell the difference between a legit and a counterfeit two euro coin. A lot of the time you need a magnifying glass to see it. But if you look at it, you'll notice that there are letters missing or there's words spelt incorrectly or there are different weights. They don't weigh the same. And in fact, some of them are so bad that they actually bend. So there's a lot of them around, apparently. Don't know what would happen if you put them in a machine, whether you were injected in a machine. Uh, but by, you know one of the big problems with the uh, with the euro coins? Every country has a different front f- face on them, and, and it's like you know you, we could be walking around with Spanish ones, we could be walking around with Greek ones, Italian ones. So I imagine that's why they're easy to counterfeit. No two coin, no two euro coins actually kind of look the same. Uh, money matters for RTE. Apparently, three hundred and fifteen thousand euro was the bum note that's been struck, and it will continue to rise for Ireland's failed Eurovision. Uh, the Eurovision Song Contest, which uh, saw Brooke Scullion being sent to the Eurovision, 
uh, could go even higher than 315,000. And I see Jane Fonda at the age of 84 um, wondering, uh, you know, if she had her time back again, would she have gone through all of the cosmetic surgery that she went through this morning? Uh, it makes the paper. She says, um, no. She says, I'm not proud that I had facelift. And she said, if I my time over again, I wouldn't do it. To be honest with you, I can see where she's coming from because when you compare her faces down through the years, and un- undoubtedly as we get older, our appearances change, I think we can age gracefully as well. It just doesn't look right. You know what I mean? I'm trying to be fair to her, but it just doesn't look natural when you look at it. In fact, in one of the papers this morning, they talk about her, uh, talking about many people um, who have a lot of money um, and, uh, you know, go for uh, way too much facelift and you see some of the horror stories uh, and she says that she now um, looks distorted and I suppose there's a few other people with more money uh, than sense who'd also say the same but I see this guy um, um, and I don't know whether you guys have a similar story to share of a driver in the UK called John Hemsworth he's 76 he is living a nightmare nightmare and he says he needs to go and get counselling you may well ask well apparently there's a CD stuck in his Citroen Picasso um, and he has to endure the same track over and over again. He can't turn it off. He can't eject it. Apparently, he can't control the volume of it. Nothing. I mean, he could just rip the CD player out or get it replaced. But he's been sent round the bend because it keeps on playing the same song, by all accounts, over and over again. Now, I know nothing about this because I've never seen... I've seen loose women in passing. There's a girl on it called Jane McDonald and apparently it's her song. Yeah, that certainly would send you to counselling. But the the papers this morning then look at the most annoying top 10 songs of all time. Like if you were stuck in your car and you couldn't turn it off, apparently these are the ones that are right up there. I don't agree with all of them. Crazy Frog is number one. I'd go for that. James Blunt, You're Beautiful. It's a great song. But maybe any song over and over and over again. Probably not, you know, maybe not Hotel California or Prince Purple Rain. You know, anything by Pink Floyd. Anything by Fleetwood Mac. But anyway, ones that do wreck heads. James Blunt, You're Beautiful. Black Eyed Peas, My Humps. God only knows. Demis Roussos, Ever and Ever, Forever and Ever. Middle of the Road, Chirpy, Chirpy, Cheap, Cheap. That would do it, for sure. Black Lace, Agadoo. Uh, the Muppets, Manamana. Do you know the one? Do you know it? You do? Can you do it? Manamana. Yeah, you have to, you have to get <coughs> Manamana. Yeah, but you have to do the voices. Aqua by Barbie Girl The Tweets Birdie Song Oh yeah Most annoying song of all time um, and the final one in the top ten is uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks Monks I like to move it So if it were me and I had a song stuck in the car it probably would be George Harrison's I Got My Mind Set On You I Got which, My Mind Set oh, God, man. On I just, You I Got My Mind Set It puts me in a bad mood no? Yeah, really I'm in a bad mood now. Even you. <laughs> Have you guys got one? What about the? Uh, do you remember this um, from years ago? It was Spitting Image, the the chicken song. How's it go? I got a uh, stick of chicken up my nose, stick a deck chair somewhere else. <laughs> um, how does it go? 
Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Seamus. I'm not singing it as a bar in the morning. It's just me. I did Manamana. Well, they normally put me on at 11 o'clock to get the crowd going out the front door. Now, <laughs> the B side of that single. Um, Take out his Duracell battery. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I didn't want the whole backstory. Have, yeah. have you got one? Um, last, last ketchup. I said, hey, aha, hey, a heavy to the heavy, save you, I'm next my head. And yeah, Des- Despacito is another one. The first Despacito. time I ever heard. Despacito. It's just like, na 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 insert generic lyric here, you know, that kind of. <laughs> Any song really over. Well, over uh, like uh, that song particularly, though, it got so much air. The first time I heard Despacito, I thought, oh, that's like something you'd hear oh, in a Spanish holiday one. camp. And Ta- then seven months later, we were still listening to that's it. Right. It's a bit like, time to <laughs> sing a bomb. <laughs> My God! You go to Spain, every market they're flogging the CD. My head is wrecked. You go to another market. I'm too on sale here for a tenner. And you know what's in the head record now? That's going to be stuck in your head now all morning. (laughs) Anyway, guys, give us your songs stuck in in your car and your CD, and you can't turn it off. What song would it be? Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Thanks to 0868104106. We'll plough through a lot of business this morning. You can also email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. I mentioned a story that makes the examiner this morning. Liz Dunphy has the uh, quotes of Michael Healy Ray commenting on hair coursing. Now, anti coursing campaigners have criticised what the TD had to say. Uh, among other things, he said that killing hairs in coursing is the equivalent to accidental. Uh, roadkill. All of this started because the government has now granted license that will allow coursing clubs to capture live hares for the forthcoming winter season. And we were chatting about this online and on Facebook and many people are incensed by it. Here's a typical quote and a comment. Luke says, Coursing should be banned for sure, including significant restrictions implemented in the horse and dog racing industries while they're at it. It's just all money over correct treatment of animals. I would love to see how people would feel if there were treated like these animals. I'd like to see Michael Healy Ray let out in a field with a few bloodthirsty hounds and then see if he thinks it's the right way to treat mammals. Let me put that point to Michael Healy Ray. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil, to you and your listeners. So how would you feel in in an enclosed area if you were being chased around by, I don't know, the equivalent to uh, maybe a tiger or a lion or something like that? Okay, well, first of all, uh, the one thing about this whole issue, Neil, is Thankfully, we are not living in North Korea. I very much respect uh, the people who have sent in messages to you there who are of an opposing uh, view on this issue. Uh, But this issue is not an illegal activity. It is a legal activity. It is done under license. It is done under strict controls. The ICC uh, monitor it. There are veterinary surgeons at, uh, at each meeting. And uh, with regard to it being called a blood sport, this is actually a field sport. But the whole issue that I really would like to highlight this morning is I did a radio interview yesterday where I, I said exactly what I'm saying to you in that people have a different opinion and those people are 100% entitled to be vehemently opposed to hair coursing and other activities if they wish. But I and the people who agree with hair coursing and who are involved in it, and whether it's horse racing, whether it's the export of animals uh, uh, and the rearing of animals for consumption, these are all personal issues that people have. 
But what I would like to highlight to you this morning, Neil, is the whole North Korea thing. And that is the amount of abusive emails that I have received and messages since I did that interview. And would you mind if I gave you an example? And obviously now no names, no nothing. Yes. Would you mind if I just... Yeah, be my guest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm going to read this now because I don't want to wrong the person, so I want to read exactly what they said. And this is now because, remember, and I respect this person. I have her name. She sent an email. She's actually a Cork listener. And I'm sure she'll be delighted that I'm coming on a Cork radio to read her message. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Just when I think Ahili Ray has authored the most nonsensical and borderline insane thing possible, you surprise me with the depths of your ignorance and stupidity. I read with dismay your take on the matter of hair coursing. I can't even comment on how thoughtless and downright cruel those comments were. I'm a primary school teacher and the seven-year-olds in my class have more compassion and empathy than a supposed adult. Please research your topic before displaying your abject ignorance. I have several vets in my immediate family, and they too were very angry at your really judge comments. Please don't force the public to listen, listen to the negative uh, effects of your... Uh, I won't use the words that she's using there. You are an embarrassment to this country. Now... I'm an embarrassment. No, but but hold on a second. Apart from maybe an expletive in there, I've I've no issue with that. I think it's a well structured no, no. email. It's not trolling. It's not abusive. No. It's not okay, bullying. Okay, okay. Well, look, your opinion. That's fine. I have other ones that I can read out to as well, which are worse, right? But I don't use language. Not a mind on a radio station. Okay, but 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 did, but did you say that you know hairs that get mauled, which you say are the exception during coursing? is the same as an accident, like when a motorist knocked down, knocks down a deer. Like, that's an accident. The other is an intention. Things, things happen in life which no one of us likes. And if there is a strike, in, in other words, if there's a hair-coursing event that's, that's uh, being, as we'll say, controlled and ran in all guidance with the regulations that are there. And remember, and I'll say it again, this is not an illegal activity. Oh, I know, I know that, this, but there were a lot of yes. things illegal that are, that were legal that are now illegal because people kicked up about them. Like, this is in an enclosed area. The hair hasn't a chance. It's enclosed. It's not even free to run anywhere it wishes. It's well, sure, trapped. Well, look, fine. If you want to new, use an analogy like that, I'll remind you that it was perfectly legal to cut and sell turf and other people wanted to make it illegal to sell turf. So the reason why I'm standing out and the reason why I'm saying that the people who have been hair coursing uh, back over many years, and another aspect of my interview yesterday, which we're ignoring, is the fact that uh, everybody who knows anything about hairs will tell, tell you that the population of hairs is being kept up and maintained in the country because of the people who are involved in hair coursing. Because when they knit the hairs, they care for them. They make sure that they're put back into the wild again okay. in places where you they did, won't. You, you did say them. that, yeah. However, yeah. in researching it yesterday, I found quite the opposite to that. I, I found reams and reams of reports of where, while the hairs may not be killed, they certainly suffer damaged toes, broken legs, dislocated hips, and because of absolute fear of what's happening to them, heart attacks, and they die of heart attacks. I mean, well, that's if, cruel. If, Come on. Okay, well, you see, again, I respect your opinion. No, that's not and my opinion. No, that's, but you're that's, just after saying it, Neil. You're just after no, saying it. No, but it's, it. no, it's, but it's not my opinion. This, okay. these, these are reports that I found online. 
Well, I'll report to you that the population of hares is safeguarded because of the fact that people are involved in hair coursing and because of the fact that they care for them. When they met them, the vets inspect them before and afterwards and they make sure, because remember, they want a good, healthy population of hares to be in this country. And they, they are doing this under license. There are vets who are highly... Uh, dependable people in every county and they're involved in hair coursing and they do so to the proper and highest of standards. And as long as that is the case, I would support these people. But what about, okay, but what about each individual hair that's being chased by dogs, muzzled or not? What about the actual rights of the hair, the fear, the damage, the injury, the death? You can say say the exact same thing about a horse that's involved in a race and that falls and breaks a leg and is injured or, or... or has to be put down mm. because of that event. I, d- I don't know. I think you could actually say that a lot of the horses that run in races probably enjoy it and unfortunately by accident fall and break a leg. There's no enjoyment for any single hair. It's the same could be said for fox hunting or badger well, baiting well, or, or lamping, sir, for instance. And all of these sir, you, you sir, support. You could, the, you could say the exact same thing about a hair that you see running for any other purpose. You could say, are they enjoying it or aren't they? You could debate this But they're not enjoying forever. it, Michael. They can't be enjoying well, well, it. Well, fine. I mean, the horses on the track aren't running for their lives. They're, they're not are, running away from two massive, you know, dogs like a little hare is. There are many people, Neil, who you well know are opposed to hare coursing. They're opposed to horse racing. They're opposed to farmers producing animals uh, to kill them, to eat them. And that's being very blunt about it. There are people who are opposed to pig farming. They're opposed, opposed to poultry farming. And my attitude about those people is... It's entirely different. They have good look to them. It's entirely different. Meeting, no, it's not. It, A lot of it is very much the same. But my attitude... No, is, there'll be no pig, I nor sheep, nor cow, nor bullock killed I, in similar manners to uh, or chased. I don't, I don't think... In, if I heard the person giving a different opinion to mine, I wouldn't send abusive or bad language in emails or messages uh, telling the people how stupid they are. If I heard somebody coming on your radio station later on and give you a completely different version of what I'm saying to you this morning, well, I wouldn't dare come along and say, my God, that person is so stupid because they're against hair coursing. My attitude would be is, they have an opposing view to mine. They're perfectly entitled to this and more look to them. But I, I, I mean, I see, I spend a lot of time in South Kerry and awful lot of time in Port McGee and everywhere I go, there are signs on people's land saying no hair trapping. I imagine those are put up by farmers, right? But yes. so, 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 so clearly the hair trapping is to catch the hair so then it can be used for the coursing. A completely different issue. And, and the farmers that you were talking about, you might see the signs, I know the farmers, and I know the reasons behind the signs, and they're perfectly right and entitled to put up those signs, because we have uh, other people who are involved in other activities at night, and uh, what I would call regulated hair coursing is nothing to do with what those people and are what doing. are they doing? Well, it's been a well-known fact that we've had people who are out at night and they could have lamps and uh, we'll call it the trespassing on other people's farms in and around the yards. And they are not one bit interested in hair course or anything like it. But if they're stopped, they're taught, they're, their answer is, oh, we're, we're, we're after hairs. 
but unfortunately it's after people's property there. So people, many people who put up those signs, they have different reasons for putting up the signs and they're perfectly entitled to put up the signs whatever they wish, whether it's no shooting, no trespassing, no hair trapping. If a person owns their land, they're entitled to put up their signs saying what they want or what they don't want okay. on their land. All right. I what give... you're saying about those signs is, is 100% correct. Okay, please. I want to just chat with Aideen Urell, who's the campaign director for the Irish Council Against Blood Sports. I hope she had an opportunity to hear my conversation with you. Hold on there, Michael. Aideen, good morning. Good morning, Nigel. you want to respond morning, to any of that? Michael. Yes, he, he was talking about the hair thriving. There is a worrying sign going on here. Uh, the hair courses are catching less hairs uh, as the years go by. There, and there are a couple of signs of this. In, say, for instance, take, go back 10, 10 years, 2011, 2012, there were 5,820 hares caught, and this is National Park's figures, right? Now, in, in 2021, 22, there were 3,690 3, hares caught. Now, this is a drop of 36%. And another Way, and another evidence of this is these meetings that are customary two days, two day meetings have now turned to three days. And the reason for this is yeah. how they're spread out over three days is you're not allowed to course the hair more than once in one day. So to avoid that, they have to run their meetings over three days. Now that's crept in in the last couple of years. So they're obviously having a problem getting hairs. So they're not thriving. Numbers. And one club had to curtail its uh, events. Um, have you, go, have, have you gone to any of these hair coursing meetings and observed them? I've, got, I've seen unmuzzled coursing. I've been campaigned, campaigning since 1986. I've seen cor- unmuzzled coursing and muzzled coursing. And... Muzzles came in in 1993, and it made no difference. Have you been to and meetings where there were? Have you been to meetings where there were no muzzles? Yes. Right. Before 1993, I was. Uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, but, but I'm talking I about recently. because we didn't have the we didn't have the camcorders, but. Um, but, but the ones that the ones now are they all entirely muzzled? The dogs. They are. Yeah. Yeah. And do you but, think that makes uh, any difference? It doesn't make any difference. It, well, it, the, method, the method of killing the hair is different because the other one, pre-muzzling, they, they were literally pulling one leg and, an, and another part of the hair and it was just awful. Now, what they're doing now is they're getting the hair down and they're, they're coming in on top of the hair at huge speed. And they're huge greyhounds and 40 pound or 60 pound greyhounds coming in on a little 10 pound hair. And they come right down on it, they pin it down, they toss it around and these hairs die of their injuries. There's no doubt about it. I'm not saying every hair gets killed, but every hair is traumatised. Every hair is frightened. And no amount of regulations, no amount of vets standing around, rangers, officials. It's not. The hair is on its own out in the field. And Michael talks about caring for the hair. Is that the way to care for a hair? To let to use it as a live bait in front of two greyhounds. It's savage. 
it's a throwback to the Roman amphitheatres. I don't know if Michael goes to any course. Um, you're asking questions there. I mean, Michael was told that he'd be talking with you this morning and was okay with that, but has now changed his mind. He, he's he's no longer on the line, unfortunately. I, I don't know why, but, uh, you know. Now, so. The other thing is that the percentages... Uh, 77% the last uh, we did we commissioned a poll with Red Sea in 2019 and the results were 77% of people uh, are opposed yes but he says he did say that it's legal and he said that while he would respect those that would criticise it he also respects the fact that others use it as a sport and enjoy it and he he respects their right to follow a legal pursuit he says he sees no difference between that and the meat industry it's a legal pursuit but it shouldn't be a legal pursuit everything about hair coursing is cruel it's insensible uh, coursing, live hair coursing has to be specifically exempted from prosecution in the Animal Health and Welfare Act. Yeah, yeah. It's an example. He says if you were to do that, you would also have to ban horse racing, dog track racing, and indeed ultimately ban the meat industry, which also deals with ultimately the cruel killing of, of cows and yeah. sheep and pigs. Hair coursing is, is, is a different it's it's a horse of a different colour. You take these hairs, you go out to the wild, you trap these hairs from their natural habitat. You take them in, you keep them in compounds for six weeks or so. You make them, you set them up and make them run, terrorise them in front of two greyhounds. That's that's wholly different from from other uh, activities. I'm not saying there isn't. There's huge problems in the, in the greyhound industry. There's a lot of horses put down in the um, horse racing horses industry. that are not that don't come that yeah. don't come up with the mark. This I'd love to get people's thoughts on this. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six because you're absolutely right when you say that the vast majority of people do want a ban on the sport, they and, they, and they're not all living in city or urban areas. Seventy eight percent of people in rural Ireland, seventy eight percent of rural Ireland wanted banned, which is higher than urban. So they do want it's higher than urban. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm one of them. I'm a rural person. What about, know, fox hunting? What, what about, what about fox hunting? That also leads fox? to the ultimate killing of the fox, doesn't it? It gets torn fox apart. Fox hunting came out the same in the Red Sea poll. 77% of people wanted banned. And I, I'm not surprised at that. It is absolutely barbaric. I saw in the Examiner article a girl by the name of Siobhan Burke who's been campaigning against the use of you know campaigning on this topic for years she said if you replaced the hair with a cute little Bichon frieze or a designer dog uh, people would not allow it so why do they allow it for hairs? Yes exactly because you'd be prosecuted if you did that but but that's why I'm saying it's exempt it's exempt from prosecution they had to go and specifically exempt live hair coursing and fox hunting from prosecution. He says um, it's an exception. All the elements of these things are cruel. They, they fulfill the criteria for cruelty to animals. He says if the exception, it's the exception where hairs are mauled. Um, it, it, it very rarely happens. And if it was, it's an accident where they are, just like when a motorist might knock down a deer on the road. 
it's not an accident that you knock down a deer on the road that is a tragic accident but you set this up you go out you track these hairs you set them up put them in a compound and use them as live bait you're not doing that when you're driving around in your car but maybe it's a rural pursuit you know maybe it's just the rural it's a minority rural pursuit nine yeah because nine just nine percent of people didn't want a van so what's going to happen ultimately Janine? the government has granted well, licenses I, of course and renewed licenses for the winter season yeah. um but yes and, and, and i yeah. can't believe I, I can't believe that any minister with the situation we have climate change we have we have loss of biodiversity loss we're in a, a huge crisis and to think that he would hand out licenses given our biodiversity problem you you did think and the hair is the hair is um a, a highly protected species and it's it's a special and it's a special species of hair the irish hair and we've got to protect our irish hairs and give them every chance of surviving and taking them out of the wild taking thousands of them out every year is is reckless in the extreme if you for if you want to protect the Irish hair. And does not reflect the um, opinions of the wider society of Ireland, I suppose. No. Yeah. Can I just okay. can I just make an appeal, Niall? Yeah. Can I please ask your listeners to contact their local TDs and make their feelings known? Okay. This would not change if the public don't don't contact their TDs. Because I, this is where we run into problems with our democracy. They won't give a free vote on this issue. If there was a free vote given, I think it'd be hugely different. A free vote in the doll? Yes, on here, of course. Okay, how come you can't get it onto the agenda? Well, Paul Murphy is bringing a bill to ban hair coursing and that could cook them up at any time. Okay, okay, okay. All right, so thanks please for taking... people, go, if you want this band, you have to shout from the rooftops and you have to get onto your TV. Okay, appreciate you taking the call. Aideen Urell, Campaign Director for the Irish Council Against Blood Sports. As I say, uh, Michael was supposed to stay for the rest of the call, but uh, changed his mind. Text 0868104106. How can you call it a sport if the two parties involved aren't given a choice? It's not a sport. It's entertainment for fools with money. If you find an animal of any sort being chased, terrorised, running for its life, funny or entertaining, there's clearly something wrong with you. Uh, Whether the hounds are muzzled or not, and some of them are not muzzled. Hairs are being ripped apart for sport. What part of this is sport? Jonathan says, if Michael is against banning something, then it most definitely means banning it is the right thing to do. Elaine says, it's a barbaric sport. It should be banned. It does not belong in modern civil society. Uh, How is this a sport, says Kate? Any sport is only a sport if both teams have equal fair play and both know the rules of the game. And there's a referee to stop the sport. If any one member is in danger of, say, losing their life. This needs to be banned, and as for those that actually enjoy and condone, this is barbarian, says Kate. That's a selection. There's lots more like that. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Ian, good morning. Hello, Neil. M- morning to you, and thank you so much for holding. I know it's been a while. Your thoughts on this? It's absolutely barbaric. Have you, you ever- know, I have no problem... I'd have no problem going out, you know, with a dog and a dog catches a rabbit or a hare or something like that. But it's just organised field sport is absolutely barbaric. It's interesting you say that because if my dog um, chased down a rabbit, 
uh, or any wild animal, I'd be absolutely livid. You you say you'd have no problem with it. Well, that, that is nature, Neil. Is that they, you know you take a dog out for a walk? Is it hair or a rabbit turns up? Blood red. The dog goes chasing. I'd have no problem with that. But it's the enclosed coursing where the hair of the rabbit has no chance. That's what I'm against. Okay. And what about fox hunting, for instance, where sometimes, or badger baiting, where they send dogs down into the set, uh, or, for instance, lamping? That, uh, again, I'm totally against that. Is it that is organised hunting? Is it, uh, you know, where a pack of hounds go out and they're chasing down a fox or a rabbit or a hare, you know, where you have maybe 10, 15 uh, dogs or whatever going out clearing a field? That is totally wrong. Um, but the, in the case of the hare, I think one of the points you're making is it's an enclosed. They're fenced in. They can't get away. All they can do is run to the four boundaries of it. Yeah, yes, yeah. Is it where, as, as I said, if I go over the dog, is it the fox or the hare, you know, has a bit of a chance to get away? No, I know it, a lot of people would probably think I'm wrong, but... There is a chance, but I'm just saying that the enclosed coursing, uh, where there's boundaries or a kind of fence or whatever, and the, uh, the hare has been chased on the field for a, a few minutes, that is totally wrong. The hare has no chance. So, so what we really need to think of it is through the eyes and the head and the brain of the hare, isn't it? Pardon? We must, we must think of it from the perspective of the hare, how the hare is feeling. You know, the, being terrorised, well, yeah, 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 frightened. Yes, yes, you know. yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But like you brought up about, if somebody goes over the dog, I'm saying the hare has some bit of a chance. Is it because there are exits and entries in the field or whatever where the hare knows oh, or whatever, yeah, like, yeah. and it has a chance. Whereas if the hare is captured and brought into field where it doesn't uh, know where it's going, and it's been chased down the field. That is totally wrong. The hare is being chased to death, kind of basically. And I know that uh, somebody who knows the dog and chases the hare, that's the same thing. But at least the hare or the fox has a chance of gotcha. getting away. Okay, good points. Well made. Thanks so much, Ian. Take care. Ian Dorney, you can get involved. Text 0868104106. What am I doing here? Take an ad break back after these. To Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Interesting text says, Neil, I'm very disappointed with your attitude towards Michael Healy Ray. He's a top man for country people like ourselves. Uh, I don't dispute that, actually. He's a damn fine politician and a very good TD for his, uh, his, uh, his district. Uh, he is in touch with the people on the ground, not like the people quoting facts and figures to you like that girl, Aideen. Uh, you're living in a city that is steeped in hunting culture, which I'm surprised you don't realise. I do. Um, it's, it's very hard to, for me to be impartial on this, to be quite honest with you. Because I'm, I'm a hypocrite, really, ultimately, because while I say for, as an example, while I do eat fish, I would never fish. Right? I would never actually be OK with putting a hook in the water, catching a fish, taking the fish out and killing it or, or watching it die. I just could not do that. But hypocritically, then I would eat fish. So but on this point, it's hard to be it's hard to be impartial because I, I keep coming back to the cruelty of it and the, you know, the enclosed nature of it or the 
the fear that must be going through the, the mind of, of a hare or indeed a fox for that matter. And I think as well that, you know, there might be baby foxes and baby hares back in a borough somewhere wondering what happens to their mother or their father. Do you know those kind of things? So it's difficult to be impartial on it. Uh, forgive me for that. Uh, text 0868104106. Pat, good morning. I'll get back to text in a moment. Good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Now, you make a, a very strong point here in, in your text where this is one of, this is Ireland's oldest protected yes. species. We, uh, we used to put the hair on our coins, for instance. Absolutely. And in mythology as well. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful animal. It's a beautiful animal, especially in the wild. I mean, I belong to the wildlife group. Uh, we, people send pictures all the time on Facebook. And to see the hair, it's the most beautiful, majestic looking animal. And it's treated so badly by the very people who should be taking care of it and protecting it. Yeah, but it's legal. There's legislation it's, there and they're licensed. It's, le- it's legal, Neil, because there is a strong lobby that has been there for an awful long time. And they're holding on to their grip of keeping it legal so tightly that they are blinkered. They're blinkered into the way a majority of Irish people are thinking, we don't want it. How is it still here? I've lobbied politicians. I have written to them. I've done everything. And they are sitting on the fence because they are afraid to lean one way or lead the other way because they want their votes. Oh, so you think at the end of the day, this is all about being re-elected in rural areas and votes. That that the coursing industry or blood sports in Ireland is is the the equivalent to the American NRA, the National Rifle Association, uh, which which holds huge power there. Neil, I'm talking about a defenseless little animal that I've caught. Now, that lady, Aideen, I don't know her. She was. She came, she said exactly the way a lot of us feel. Uh, in our town, we had a petition there last year, and we went around to people to, to stop it from being in our own town. It happens every year, right? Do you know, we have a, a very large population of Polish people. They couldn't understand what was coursing about. Uh, in their country, they they do uh, uh, catch hunt things, but they they eat them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And they couldn't understand why are these two beautiful dogs running after this little this little hare? Yes. They, 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 when you look at it from their perspective, and a lot of Europeans, I'm embarrassed. I'm yeah, so maybe, yeah. you know, maybe I'm generations bad. to come when, when it ultimately is banned if 78% of people in rural Ireland and 76% of people in urban Ireland want it banned. Ultimately, that will happen, I suppose. And then in 50 years' time, uh, the generations it's, to come will look back and say, how did they allow that? Absolutely. And, and Neil, I, I'm, I'm a grandmother, okay? I'm a mother. I have been teaching my children to respect nature, biodiversity, animals. And yet, in our country, we are allowed, I mean, I'm talking about a native wild animal, okay? And and, and, we're, and they asked me questions, you know, I, we went back to a protest here now in, in uh, December, and uh, they were asking me, why are the hares there? I, and we wouldn't let them see what was going on, do you know what I mean? Because it's just, it's too cruel. But- it's just- I, but I know, but like, what, why then? I mean, I don't know whether you eat chicken or meat or... or yes, I do. You know. Yes, I do. Okay, so yes. wh- why do people then get annoyed about this, but yet they will eat farmed chicken or they'll eat farmed salmon, which in itself is cruelty. I mean, the farmed chicken, I believe, the minute they're born, 
they're put on antibiotics because if they're they're in such close proximity to each other, they're really tightly packed um, that if one of them gets sick, it'll wipe out the entire um, flock. Neil, Neil, I know all that. I, I, and there's a lot of things I agree with. I am talking about coursing at the moment, okay? No, but there's other aspects there are, of cruelty. No, 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 that, no, 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 no I mean, farm yes. fish, for instance, they're riddled with lice, apparently. I know that. I know that. But I listen, that's a whole different story. We, we, we're not going to get on the bandwagon and take in so many different things at one time. I'm just concentrating on a hair that is caught from its, its own little area, pinned in for so many weeks, to get familiar with the area that they're going to be in. Then they're, they're let loose and you've got these beautiful dogs running after them. That's what I'm talking about at the moment. It's cruel. That's, we cannot take care of everything at the moment. We have to start somewhere. And in my area and my interest at the moment, and a lot of people I know, it is the coursing. I mean, you're, there, there is such thing as coursing, but drag coursing. What's wrong with that? Do something like that. These dogs... They run, they see, they run. It's lovely. They're following but a scent a only, aren't animal. they? It's just a scent. It's, it's a live animal. Yeah. No, the it's drag coursing is a scent, isn't it? It is. And yeah. it's something that's pulled along and a hair doesn't get mauled or heart attacks or hurt or dead. Do okay. you understand? I do. Okay. That's what I'm saying now. And I'm sorry. Thank you very much. I completely agree. I am a meteor at the moment. Uh, I, I, at one stage, I went to see a calf being born with a friend of ours that was a vet and I have to admit I did not eat meat for an awful long time yeah, afterwards I know, I know, I know. The crew, you know to see something being alive no I mean I, I, I just bring up farm fish and farm chicken and issues like I that agree, or battery I agree. or I you know battery can't, eggs you can't do everything at the moment but the course, the anti-coursing group I have to say now when coursing came up me my relatives were involved with coursing years gone by there was a time like the sports was for young people. If you were a certain age, there was nothing there for you to do. I mean, there was golfing for the rich. Da, 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 da. Whereas now you see, now that that age is gone. Now, do you know what I mean? You don't you don't need to to to, to, to harm and be cruel to something for sport. Right. It's not a sport. Okay. It's not a sport. Okay. Good point. I'm sorry to get mad at you like that. <laughs> you didn't get mad at me. You did not get well, mad did, at me. No, I'm you did not. No, I mean, you're just packing. You're just pa- No, you are not rude. You're just being passionate <laughs> about your beliefs. Fair play to you. Stay well, in touch I, and stay I, listening. I, see, I, live, I live in a town and it's been gone on for years and years. And every year, we just, I, I want to leave the town for those those. I days. understand. I, I understand. Because you know what's happening in your town. And we don't want it to happen in our town anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's cruel. It's outdated. It was brought in by the by the rich people to entertain their guests that they used to have on their big lawns. It was never <laughs> a, an ancient. It, it, it was. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, it was there. It was okay. there. It, like there's one thing to have out in the wild where the animals know their their little. It's areas enclosed. The the hair is yeah, fenced exactly. in. Can only exactly. run to the four corners. Okay. Thanks, Pat. Stay listening. Much obliged to you. Good points. I'd love to get other people's thoughts and opinions on that. Or indeed, I mean, it's a white. I mean, I mean, you can widen it as far as you want. I mentioned fox hunting. I mentioned badger baiting and and lamping and issues like that. But also, the hypocrisy of maybe farmed fish or you know um, farmed uh, chicken or even down to eggs and things that we put up with. Uh, a lot of that, I think, is is also connected. Particularly, um, you know, the, the conditions that you know, non non 
organic or non-free-range chickens are born and raised in. That's absolutely cruelty, surely be to God. Text 0868104106, back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Text 0868104106. Again, we're talking about country pursuits. Well, we have some wonderful family passes to give away. We've been doing it for weeks and we'll continue to do it. And thank you to every single tourist attraction that has come on board. And we welcome on board some new ones this morning, including the Titanic Experience, the Farm in Granada, Perks Family Entertainment Centre down in Yall, Alahy's Copper Mine Museum. Never went in there, but I did climb up to it a couple of summers ago when we can only go around... County Cork during lockdown and what have you. So they're all new additions to a long, long list of passes and with some more of those family passes to give away between now and midday uh, today. Uh, text 0868104106. And an email just on this topic uh, to highlight the plight of the Irish hare in our countryside. This is country pursuits, some might say, but others think that, that it's obviously cruelty and terrorising the animals. Not just hares, actually. You could talk of... Uh, other things as well, including foxes. Anyway, emailer says, The country sport of hair coursing is regulated and monitored under specific rules by the Irish Coursing Club and the National Parks and Wildlife and can only take place between the months of October and February. Unfortunately, hares are being slaughtered and murdered year-round, day and night, by gangs of thugs with lurcher dogs. One video shows a captured hare being released only to have a lurcher let loose to kill it and many more pictures and videos exist on social media for all to see. The coursing clubs are one of the few allies the hare has left. Many clubs have no hares left on their preserves because of the barbaric illegal poaching of these gangs I've just mentioned, slaughtering and murdering hares. So the emailer is saying on one side you have gangs, and the other side you have um, regulated coursing clubs. These groups, the gangs, have no respect for land, livestock, landowner, the hare, or even their own dogs. They threaten landowners. They cut fences. They open gates. They care for nothing, only killing the hare at all costs. Extinction is imminent unless something is done to stop these poacher gangs. The 16 open coursing clubs in Cork work tirelessly to care for the hare by working with landowners to protect their habitat, the hare's habitat, by creating cover crops, leaving hedgerow borders, controlling predators and reporting the illegal hunting of the hare. The 16 open coursing clubs in Cork do all of that. The general public needs to understand that the Irish Coursing Club and its coursing and its clubs genuinely care for the hare. And while we partake in hunting them once or twice a season, we care for them 24-7. The anti-hunting groups target the legal coursing constantly because they're easy targets, but they do nothing about the illegal acts of these gangs I've mentioned. I'm nearly 40. I've been coursing my whole, li- whole life. I started with my grandfather back when I was seven. And from my involvement in that club, I grew up learning to respect nature, land, landowners, animals and people and countryside. Pressure needs to be put on government and the authorities to clamp down on the practice before the hair is gone from the land, as in the slaughtering and murdering of them by gangs. And then he sent me some attachments and photographs of groups who clearly killed the hair. There's a bunch of them, five of them with uh, four dogs. It looked like lurches to me. And down on the ground, dead in front of them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dead hairs. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. 
Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. All blood sports should be banned. Shame on Michael Lee Ray to say otherwise. I'm ashamed to be carry blood like him. Hairs and other animals should be protected, not torn apart for the pleasure of a few nut jobs. Um, well, they would say that they're not torn apart because the dogs have muzzles. Of course, it should be banned. Ireland is still in the dark ages, allowing this so-called sport um, anyone who condones this type of animal abuse needs to be thrown into a room with a pack of starving wolves and see how the shoe feels on their feet, says Donna. Terrorizing animals and calling it a sport in is, is in itself disgusting. The act of even terrorizing them. Yeah, I suppose Regina makes a point. You don't have to kill them to terrorize them. Uh, we are definitely on a slippery slope uh, having a TD in government like this. It's barbaric. should have been banned years ago. It's cruelty. It's disgusting. Coursing, like so many other animal sports, should be banned. Greyhound racing and fox hunting too. They're barbaric and cruel. Very sick people live amongst us if they go out and support this, including deer hunting. Uh, and one more. I wonder how much of the people say saying ban it are the same people that go to their local dog track and put bets on dogs and spend €100 Euro at the bar. There's a huge difference in meaning, too, between the words hunting and coursing. Uh, text 0868104106. Happy to stay with this. I see lots of texts and calls. Dick is standing by. Jim, good morning. Good morning. Okay, I'll blast through some calls on this. Your thoughts on it. Barbaric, cruel, disgusting, or a legalised rural pursuit? Well, first of all... You have an elected member of Dalian who have political influence and political power to come on your, your show this morning and condone everything that's going on in here hunting. Now remember, he have the power of the media. He have the power inside Dalian where you and me can come on a program like this and only criticise it. He's meeting fellow TDs in the lobbies, in the bears, of Dalian and nobody but nobody cannot tell me that he does not have polit- political influence he is also a very highly respected member in Kerry yeah. of Dalian yeah. he is also a highly successful businessman with his brothers who I have no doubt they would have a lot of friends between contractors and workers that would be working through him, that would have a fair influence and fair would be getting fair enjoyment out of here, Carson. Mm. Yeah, but and you nobody, can't argue with the numbers, though. Seventy-eight percent of people in rural Ireland wanted banned, and seventy-six percent in urban areas, like I, where I'm sitting right now. I am just talking so about the where, you know, but like, so where are the votes um, to keep it? Like, there's not a whole lot of them. You see, like. Dalian is full, is, is full of clowns and, and that's known that's known and we we, we, we have a minister there in the Green Party and like in all fairness we, I, I don't want to go there with him and he's, he's, ban, he's banning fires he's banning well, torches. Yeah, wouldn't you think Eamon that, Ryan would want to ban it wouldn't you? But sure, listen to me. He, he's the hand that goes into the globe. They're all, they're all scratching each other's backs up there but like the people of Ireland will get, will get a chance maybe if not next year, the year after, to, to remove these clowns, to remove them. And, and like, the, the, the only people that want this bend will never get it bent because they have no power. Like, he, he said this morning that the hills are careful. Oh, the hills are careful. Just because, like, the, 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 the hunters are muzzled. Like, 
I'm going to make a statement. You can Won't still break the back. You can still break the back of a hair. You can still damage Won't and break its legs. You can dislocate its hip because they've, the dogs flip the hair up in the air and break can break their backs. Wouldn't it be faster, now? Wouldn't it be faster if if the hair was killed outright, i.e., with a, a single bite and then hit that breaks the neck? I hear it is. I I tears in my eyes saying this, but like. Tis the damage that the paws, the nails will do to the hair on the ground. It whips out, it whips out the eyes. The pain they go through. They they're lingering on the ground. They're still moving. The, and, and it's the do- legal. The it's legal, it. though. You know, it's a legal sport. Now, you might put that in inverted commas, but they're licensed. And a chap there by email says they're not the problem. It's the gangs that engage in the slaughtering and the dog. They run dogs without any muzzles. I just mentioned there. He calls them hares are being slaughtered and murdered year round, day in, day out by gangs of thugs with lurcher dogs. Whereas he says the 16 coursing clubs in Cork work tirelessly to care for the hare. You care for the hair to bring it up to get get it get it killed. That's what they're doing. They, they, listen, me, you're always going to have goyers out in the, out at two o'clock in the morning with flashlights, dazzling rabbits, and doing this and doing that. You're always going. You'll never rule with with Ireland of that. I'm talking about a local representative who had his influence in Dalian and got this bill passed. But we eat he, we eat caged chain we eat caged chickens, for instance. We eat battery farmed eggs. We eat farmed fish that are. Destroyed with lice. Uh, you know, we, we kill you, cows, you, pigs, sheep, you, lambs. You already, you already said that to the, that uh, lady that was on there yeah. with you. You already, right? And all the points are taken. All, I, I have no doubt. Like, I hate cruelty to animals. I bloody hate it. Like, you, you may also mentioned badger hunting this morning. I wasn't at it. But when I was growing up, when I was growing up, Carriers used to be used, used to go badger hunting. And what they do is they'd put the, the terrier down the badger hole. And So the terrier goes one, into the badger. Uh, is that called yes. the, the set? Is it, it's a set. Of, yeah, I, I, it's something like that. Yeah. I thank God I wasn't there because so I So the badger's there. down there with maybe badger cubs or baby badgers or whatever. Yes, and, and protection instinct comes into play. I know of, I know of a fact where the, badger, where the terrier came out with no hidden. I know for a fact. The, a little defenseless terrier who's about seven or eight pounds weight uh, uh, and went into went in yeah. and he backed out he backed yeah. out and the head was ha- the, ha- the head was hanging off. Yeah. This and this 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 is sport. This is sport. That's illegal but, though. That's illegal. Uh, you but I just said to you, you will never stop that. But you can stop what what that T D said this morning. He, okay. he have the power. Okay. Okay. You can stop it won't. you can stop it by not giving it the stamp of approval. But he but he's not going to do that, Neil, because right. his friends his friends who are probably involved in his business or whatever, they're making money with it for him, he's not going to go behind their back and say, Oh lads, we'll have to stop this you're out of pocket. Forget All right. It. Okay, thanks for that. Much obliged, Jim. As always, text O eight six eight one oh four one oh six back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville show now. Oh eight six eight one oh four one oh six Red FM. You betcha I can come back to more texts and calls on that throughout the course of the morning. A lot of stories from yesterday's program. Uh, Nana Nora's little bit. The family were in touch. Timmy Ryle, Nana's uh, son, and of course Nana passed away yesterday. A great Cork legend. We paid a little tribute, and they said, "You're legends for doing that." The family are so so happy. We never expected that tribute. Uh, I'll be on to you in a while. My daughter has a lovely story for the mass and I'll give it to you soon uh, if you'd like to read it out after Nana Nora I would like that Timmy after after she is um, pa- as she's passed away and is uh, as buried we 
We're all sitting here on the bed here in floods of tears listening to the tribute. Thanks again. We won't forget you. So a lovely, kind thought from Timmy Ryle as he mourns the loss of his man. So sorry to hear about Nana Nora passing. I loved her stories and it brought, brought back great, great memories. R.I.P. Nora, says Helen. Thank you for that. And it's awful to hear another good Cork character and a wonderful woman. Uh, passing away. Such is life. It's always sad, though. Uh, On the taxi industry and lack of them from yesterday, I lived in New Jersey my whole life. Uber was the best thing to happen to the taxi industry. My fare to Newark Airport dropped by $30 to $12. Um, So Uber makes the marketplace more competitive, but it, it can kill the taxi industry. And I know that in London, they had fierce problems, the actual regulated taxi industry trying to compete against Uber because it's not a it's not a level playing pitch. And that's why you have to look at it also through the eyes of taxi drivers. The point was, was being made the other day that if only 30 percent of taxis in Cork are working at night, would that be an opportunity to allow Uber in at night just for the nighttime business? Taxi drivers would say to you, they're not guard vetted. There could be anybody driving your son or your daughter or you home at night. Uh, just a question for you. Why is it so hard to get a taxi in Mallow Town? Could you do your show on taxis? Uh, could you do your show on taxis because it's hard tonight in Mallow to get a taxi or book one in advance? I've tried a few times in the past to book one, but they say I can't book. It's just potluck. Well, some might say that's another opportunity for Uber. Bobby wants to go back to the time when you could sell your plate for tens of thousands of euro pounds at the time. He wants to leave it in his will. Who vets that person then? Could you leave your driving license to someone in your will? It's ludicrous, says a base operator who actually works for a taxi company. I was on your show four years ago regarding the taxi industry. The NTA, the National Transport Authority, has destroyed the taxi industry from its inception. We are truly the forgotten industry, says a taxi driver. The Taxi Advisory Council is not fit for purpose. It's run by non-taxi personnel. The NTA decide to give us a pay rise. We have to pay ourselves to get the meter recalibrated. Then and then get it tested by another department. So the pay rise ends up costing taxi drivers hundreds of euro. We also have to get taxis NCT'd yearly and a further test called an SGS test. We're forced to carry a full medical kit in the car. We're forced to carry a fire extinguisher. If a plaster or a bandage is out of date, your taxi will fail the test. Garda cars are not required to carry these items, so why should we? Taxi drivers are not medically trained anyway. We all pay thousands of euro for our plates and we cannot sell them if we retire or want to pursue another career. Surely that's wrong. As Bobby Lynch has informed you, this industry has been run into the ground, not by the drivers, but by the people that run it. It's disgraceful behaviour, says Tony. Another one. Do you honestly think that bus errand drivers should be responsible for transporting a busload of drunk people home? A lone driver and 55 drunk idiots wouldn't make for an easy job. Think about when the bus is full on a normal day, how people crowd around trying to get on. I can't imagine that they'd send a bus driver out to work in that environment. It would be far too messy and far too dangerous, says Brian. Well, how come they do it in Dublin? They've got like 14 networks in Dublin that run through the night. We have one. I mean, if they can make it work in Dublin with your so-called busload of drunk people, surely it could work in Cork. I work in a taxi base and the work that is out there is unbelievable. I have drivers making €300 Euro a day. The problem is that there are enough, not enough taxis on the roads. Taxi drivers say they have no money, um, but then they must not be willing to work. And that's somebody working at a taxi base who says the driver is working through that base or making 300 a day that the money is there. There's that and lots more besides. I'll come back to him in a few minutes' time. Um, back to coursing. Um, Michael, good morning. Good 
Yeah, okay, you grew up uh, hunting at the weekends. Is that in the winter That's months? Right. Yeah. Yeah, when, it, when I was young fella, like when I was young fella, I used to go hunting every weekend with my dad, because um, he like grew up in that way of life. Even though we live in the city, that's the way it was. And every Saturday or Sunday, we'd be out the fields hunting. Um, oh. to more see rabbits, like okay, with dogs, is it like ferrets or oh, dogs, dogs or yeah. with, so. with dogs and ferrets? Okay, okay. And, and you got a bit of shooting, and you shot them as well, did you? Oh yeah, shot them as well. Yeah. Okay. And did you shoot them for food? Yeah. You bring them home and eat them? Oh, yeah. And we just, like, we cook them for the dogs. You know, the dogs, we eat them as well. Okay. But okay. it was a way of food, and they're lovely to eat. They're a delicacy in parts of the continent. I know, I've eaten, many, many of us have eaten rabbit. It's like, it's not too far from, from chicken. It's lovely, yeah. I mean, nice, I don't, yeah. And, and even, and you know, you shot them, you brought them home. And you fed the family. That's entirely different to, to coursing, though. Well, you wouldn't be coursing rabbits, in all fairness. Like, you know, well, you might hunt them, but I wouldn't call it coursing. Well, you're talking about coursing hares. Um, that's hares, my like, apologies. That's been there for hundreds of years, like, and I don't think it's going to change now. Um, does it do any harm to the hare? It's mostly done with the dogs, mostly now with the, with the clubs, so... Most of the hairs, as a caller was sent to you, they're just the way to go. They're well looked after. You know, they're well looked after. Yeah, th- there's an emailer did get in touch and say that it has more to do with um, the hairs being slaughtered and murdered year round by gangs of thugs with lurcher dogs. Um, they have no respect for the land or livestock or owners, not the actual coursing clubs themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's what well, he like said. Look, and he sent me photographs yeah. then of dead, of six or seven dead hares in front of five fellas with, yeah. with five or yeah. six lurchers. Well, look, look, in all walks of life, you will get you know, people that will do things that they shouldn't be doing, no matter what it is. And obviously, it's going to happen in hunting, it's going to happen in fishing, and it'll happen in every form of sport. But the majority of fellas that keep lurchers, I have lurchers as well, the majority of people that keep them. Do not carry on that way. You okay. Know? Well, what do you do now? Because you're talking about when you were growing up and feeding the family and what. But what? Rabbits, what, what just rabbits. Like for what? Just describe a typical day out or night out or whatever. Oh uh, well, just open hunting in the fields, walking with, with the dogs if they catch a rabbit. Grand, a uh, bit of lamping. Oh, with, with the lamp, that's good. Um, how does that like, work? The lamping, the, like how does that work? The lamp. You put the lamp on the rabbit, and the dog chase him, and he catch him, and he kill him straight away, and. Um, We'll, he'll bring him back then and bring him home and into the pot. Okay, okay. See, there'll be people listening to this now who will be horrified at the barbarity of that and the cruelty of it. Well, it's not barbarity, you see. Like, rabbits are actually vermin, you know. They're, ask any farmer and they don't want the rabbits on the land. But if you scale it up, we're all vermin. I mean, the human species of man, woman, us, we're, we're vermin, if you like, in, in what we do to That's the planet. And what we do That's to other life. animals? Exactly. That's life. No, 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 but it's not life. So to say, oh, well, then why aren't we being chased? Well, I know we have war and what have you, but nobody, nobody goes about intentionally trying to exterminate us. But yet we do it to weaker creatures. Yeah. Well, they're there for a reason. Like the rabbits, I suppose, they're eating the grass constantly. That's all they do all day is eat the grass. Farmers don't want them. So you know. It's just the hunting is a way of calling them, I suppose. And um, people don't agree with us, but 
know. You don't see it as cruelty? Which is, no. Right, okay. Definitely not. Definitely not. Like, as I said, Neil, like, it's the way we were brought up. A lot of people that we talk about this, they see the pictures of the rabbits there, they're dead and all that, and they say, oh, that's, yeah, that's very cruel. But they don't understand it because they've never done it. They haven't a clue about it. But you see, hares or rabbits or foxes or anything, they're just getting on with their lives. They're part of the environment. They're on the planet for a reason. They don't know that they're causing a nuisance to others, as you claim, you know? They don't know anything about that. They're just well, rare families and having baby rabbits and baby hares. Well, if you, if you want to be thinking like a rabbit, me like... But, know, but that's, but, but, but that's like, my point. You think like a rabbit, like, you know, maybe I'm stupid you know? in saying that, but that I am trying I to look at it through the eyes of a rabbit or a chicken or a fish. Well, if you're looking through the eyes of a rabbit, he's only there for one reason, and that's to eat the grass and eat plants and eat, all, eat everything. To survive, Why, though. To survive. Pardon? To survive. Yeah, it's, but... If you remember, they brought in the mixomatosis to get rid of them. No, that was cruel. I remember going out in the 70s, early 70s, and we hunting rabbits, and they were going around the fields with their eyes bulging out. You'd walk and tough them, and you'd catch them with your hands. That was really cruel. Yeah. And it was the government brought in that. Okay, okay. Did you, you know? want to make some points then on fishing or farm fishing? Farm fishing. Yeah, yeah. I liked your point there when you brought up that name. Like, that is an utter disgrace what they're doing to the rivers of Ireland, having the farms in the moats of some rivers, especially on the, the west, which used to have a good run of sea trout and salmon. I, I, I hear they're infecting the, um, the, the, the rest of the fish stocks. They're infecting everything. Like, there was documentaries done on them years ago with the BBC, and they brought out, like, how how unhealthy they were to eat, especially for kids, especially for uh, pregnant women. But then the damage that they're doing to the environment is untold with all the mess that's under the cages, around the cages, the amount of sea lice that's being uh, transported on to the wild fish, yeah, yeah, the yeah. amount of escapees that's interbreeding with the wild fish. It's unreal, but at the end of the day, it's money talks. And it's a government-backed project, and it'll be hard to get rid of it okay. as money talks. Okay. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Much obliged. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Text 0868-104-106. And we can pull all the other texts from earlier this morning in, and i get them on the air in a few minutes' time. Just in relation to the taxi topic from yesterday, I was out with my friends on Saturday night in town. All my friends were going back to Mahan in a taxi. So I said i get my own as I was going to the north side. Uh, this is from Saturday night. I walked along Patrick Street and flagged down a number of taxis, about three or four to be exact. I asked them if they were available. They said, yes, where are you going? Uh, when I said Farron Ree, north side, they just drove away or made them an excuse not to take me. Uh, three, maybe four of them. I was left to walk. I got as far as Shandon Street. Lee Cabs was closed and it was about 2.15 in the morning before eventually I managed to flag another taxi at the end of the street and he finally said yes and took me home. I was so relieved. Thank God he stopped. When he did, I would have to walk home on my own, says Jenna. I just don't understand why taxi drivers won't take fares to the north side of the city. It's a form of discrimination. I won't be going out again in a hurry unless I have a lift organised to get home. This isn't the first time I've experienced this on a night out. The same happened when myself and my partner, Timothy, a.k.a. the hero. Oh, yes, Timothy O'Driscoll, the hero, saved a boy from drowning. When we were out and we were refused a taxi home because of where we lived. So glad I got home with all the thuggery in Cork. Things could have turned out a lot worse for me if I had to walk on my own. 
Well, Jenna, you did have to walk a fair share of that from Patrick Street all the way to at least Shandon Street at two o'clock in the morning. And that's dangerous for any man or woman. Why are taxis asking people where they're going? And if it's not a fare long enough or if it's an area of the city that they don't want to go to, why are they refusing? Can anybody explain? Text 0868 104 106. So back to all of that. Do you recall last week uh, and then it was up to last Thursday, I was talking quite a lot about parental alienation. And I didn't go back to it on Friday's program because Friday's program can be somewhat different. Uh, and then Monday got away from me because it was a bank holiday. And then yesterday and, and, and today we've been talking about different topics and, you know. But I did leave a lot of unfinished business with regards to people sharing their own stories regarding breakups and how children then are used by one parent against another. Interestingly, in the conversations that I was having, it's not just against dads. It can also be against mams. But... At the weekend then, I had a conversation uh, off air, which we recorded with a chap called John, who got in touch following our chats on the air about it, particularly with Selena Furlong last week when she was talking about the subject of parental alienation, uh, you know, where the child becomes estranged from a parent as a result of the psychological manipulation of the other parent. So I spoke to John at the weekend uh, and he was talking on behalf of a, a new organization that has been set up in Ireland now, this new organization that's been set up uh, to help people who are going through parental alienation. Uh, it's called, uh, I'll give you the name of it in a moment because uh, if you m- might want to reach out and get in touch with them. But he was chatting with me how parental alienation affects more than, the, than just the child's mother or father. It's the entire family. And there is a, a group and an organization that he's part of. Um, I think it's um, Alienated Children Ireland First, I think is the name of the organization. He's a member of that. And uh, we just caught up at the weekend. Have a listen to some of it. And as you said, it doesn't just affect the person as in you as a dad, but extended family as well, yeah? Because everybody's cut off. So, the extended family and my extended family who would have been involved and close and known for my family well have been completely shut off. And the worst affected in that has been my their grandmother who had reared and helped rear them all their lives from kids right through all their stages of school had been completely cut off and through no fault of her own she found herself mourning for grandchildren yeah. that were still um, up and about moving about and she could, just couldn't see her have contact or be part of their lives just, yeah, just on the subject of, of grandparents or a grandmother, w- would she see them at a distance or even like anything like that? She would have seen them if she met them on their own passing. That would be... She would have contacted them, rang them. She wouldn't be able to text or watch up, but she would have rang them and just no answer, no reply or no ring back, and which would have been totally out of character because if their granny rang for them at any point prior to this, they would drop all and go to her. They adored her and loved her. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It, it can be like mourning a, a death or a passing, isn't it? The end of a relationship where somebody is just living a completely separate existence. So when a relationship ends, it is, a, it is like a death and a mourning and it does take a particularly long time to process and deal with it. But for an alienation, it's a different type of grief. And it's a different kind of trauma. Now, I, I understand and I've had trauma in my life and I've lost my father and other 
close uncles and friends and I understand the whole uh, dynamic of grief and trauma from a death but unless you experience the alienation there is very few words that can describe it or put it in context it's a constant grief and loss and it's felt tight in your chest and your heart and it's like this lump stuck in you all day every day and for fathers of course were you going to say you yearn for the contact yes yes yeah it's a it's the exclusion and the bullying that i i describe it as that you're it's like a child in the schoolyard being bullied that's excluded and now we're not loud player not look at the games or not be involved and would you say I mean it seems to be an awful lot more prevalent than I had thought um, you know over the past couple of days have been inundated with emails and texts difficult to put calls on air I have to say because of issues involving courts and what have you but would you say it's qu- that, that there's a lot of it happening I would I, I would say and I never knew what the term parental alienation was until it landed on my doorstep and from the people I've met and involved I can say it is rampant Rampant. throughout the country cities, towns, villages countryside, it's absolutely rampant and the pandemic may have increased um, separations and if you look at the statistics from from the courts there's been a huge amount of applications for safety orders etc etc regarding and the knock-on from that is most of these cases is parental alienation involved. So I can safely say it is rampant in our community. And have you found talking with others that protection orders are used as a tool and a weapon as well against dads? Absolutely. Are there false allegations just, made? So it's not just against dad. And there is no gender um, bias and his mothers are... are suffer from parental alienation as well and it's, it's quite difficult Okay well fair play to you for being fair and balanced about it but I would imagine I would hazard not to the same extent Not to the same extent yes yes but I can say is that the legal system while very important to our system and our, the laws of the land has been used and manipulated to bolster or jockey for position in in separation cases and safety orders and etc. have been used to further alienate parents from their children. Oh my, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, yeah. yeah. That, that, at the end of the day, it's the, it's, it's the weaponizing of a child against an ex-partner. Yes. And if I may say that um, to do that... It, the sight of the welfare of the child has been lost by the system. Mm. In that, um, I consider it the last socially acceptable form of child abuse in our communities because everybody knows a mum and a dad uh, that's separating or parting ways and mum doesn't get to see the kids or dad doesn't get to see the kids or grannies or uncles doesn't get to see the kids. And us as a society and a people are turning a blind eye and allowing this be the norm or allowed. Nobody is standing up in our community and the professional people are there. Do you have, we have the judiciary, we have the legal side, we have psychologists and professionals and we even have our, our own guardianship on and they all have a difficult job to do. 
but the welfare of the child should be paramount and it's not being seen. And back, if we go back a number of years and we look back, society and the professionals all knew what was happening in the tomb baby homes, the laundries, the industrial schools for the boys. Everybody knew and nobody said stop. Yeah, yeah. So it's time we stopped and looked at where we are. And I have to commend Helen McEntee, who has brought a bit of light on this. But it needs to be addressed in our communities by ourselves because the innocence of a child is being lost. No child is ever born into this world to not like or hate its mum or its dad. And do you that talk... Do, yeah, that it's trained into them, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, they're coerced into it. Do you, do, you, do you talk with many fathers who then are mothers, for that matter, who've been victims of the alienation, who then get to reconnect with their children when they get a little bit older? And, and what do the children say to them? So, from the parenting group and uh, alienation children, first is a group in Ireland that helps mums and dads to understand and get through this. And very few get through the system unscathed in that there, there is time lost can never be recovered. But when children become young adults and they begin to see things and they have a better way of their rationale and their thinking they wonder, well, why don't I speak to mum? Or why don't I speak to dad? Or maybe their friends or, or boyfriends or, or girlfriends that they form relationships with ask those poignant questions. And when the rationale doesn't stack up and stand up, the yeah, reasons yeah. are seen for what they are. Do they reach out then to the parent? In some cases they do, yes, they do. Um, but they're also, like, this is child abuse. There's no can't call it anything other than that because the psychological and the mental yeah. and how they form their own relationships carries through in their lives. Yes, I saw some research during the week that spoke about issues uh, as a consequence of this for a young man or a young woman later in life or even as yeah. children. And it, it did include uh, um, trust issues, issues forming relationships, anxiety, stress, emotional problems, um, uh, substance abuse, performing very badly in school, giving them a bad career choice then, you know, those kind of things? Yes, that is the knock-on effect of this and it's unquantified and it's unmeasured in our society other than it is. It is a growing cancer because for every child or children in a relationship that is damaged by parental alienation, they go forward and may cause the same level of damage to some other Oh my God, of course, yeah. Yeah. person that's in a relationship and it's, it has to be stopped what are we rearing as a consequence yeah yeah what yes. are we sending out into the world yeah yeah and the, and the dads or the mums um, and again we're saying it can happen to both sexes yeah. if you like but they don't all make it through some crack don't they they just can't go on so I can tell you from my own personal experience I have had the darkest days and nights ever born by anyone to stay on the road and when I mean the road I mean the road of life Yeah. and without the help and support from my family my very good friends and a counsellor and I think counselling is key anyone that's involved in this is to reach out and get the help because there is help out there 
but some parents unfortunately and since Christmas last year I know of three dads and two mums that just couldn't bear it no longer five people three dads and two mums who just couldn't take it anymore yeah they were broken down beaten down by it beaten down the games and the antics that goes on in it in breaching of access and denying access and false accusations and the judiciary has a role to play here in this that people make up statements and false accusations and when they're proven to be unfounded there is no consequence well that should be changed in law straight away straight away so for a mum or a dad to accuse another mum or another dad of um, some of the most horrendous possible things you could think of to do to their own child and for it to be unproven unfounded and to be allowed just go with no consequence. That is the problem. I know. Because yeah. if there was a consequence for saying somebody touched somebody inappropriately or whatever, they wouldn't be calling those accusations without hard fact and evidence. And it needs to stop. It's the false accusations that's in family courts that's just, it's nearly like accepted norm that nobody tells the truth in there. It's, it's yes, you but you do realise that they're all inside. What? It's nearly the story you can make up to bolster your side. Yes, I know, the I know. But when it's in camera, you see, it's, it's, it's wrong to blame the public or society because they're in camera. We never know of the stories because they're behind closed doors stories, you see. Yes. You know? I, I, I agree with that, but I think the tide is turning on that in that people um, that have come through the system and seen it have had enough and they're speaking out. They are. I've because seen it cannot be allowed and... I have to commend you and the radio program for covering this because it's it's not um, popular to talk about unpleasant things in our society and that young baby's got it very hard to get a call or a break with media and radio and, and being publicised. And when it did, everybody came on board and could see what was happening and how it happened. And so you think this is one of the uns, untackled scandals of our time? Where a relationship, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. You say where a relationship breaks down and an ex-partner alienates their ex-partner from the children by lying and making up stories about them. The only, the only positive thing I can come from this conversation so far is that in some cases when the children grow up to be young adults they start asking questions for themselves and go investigating their dad that yeah. they haven't seen or their mothers they haven't seen but I guess not all of them do. I guess not all of them do. Um, but you would hope that with public awareness and a public knowledge campaign that they would read or see and inform themselves and begin to ask the questions. And when it's out there, a secret only has power, so long as it remains a secret yes, and true, hidden. True. And when, when you throw a light on this dark area of life, people read it and understand it and spot it. Listen, I know that Charlie, Charlie McGill, is walking from, mm-hmm. uh, I think he's, he's walking from down West Corkway, isn't Don Skibbereen? And he's right, walking yes. all the way to Antrim to highlight parental alienation because I was reading that he knows of many people witness many of those close to him going through the pain of what we've just discussed here Um, and he wants to highlight that it exists and as you say it could well be the scandal of our time are you going to walk with him for a while? So I'm going to walk with Charlie on Sunday and Monday I was to go today but things didn't pan out for me to do so 
Charlie's journey and walk is very, very significant to it in that it's not just a walk. Mm. It, it, it shows the challenge, the difficulties and the enormity that a parent faces when they're alienated from their children. And along that road, there is many, many pitfalls and, and obstacles to get through and overcome to get to the finish. And I see Charlie's finish as being uh, raising the awareness, raising some some funding to be able to pro- help mothers and fathers out there. And each day I, I couldn't be on the road with some commitments, but I've got up each morning at five and six and I walk five or six K each morning and it's therapeutic to walk, to know that uh, we're all walking together. I know. It's a unity and yeah. we're no longer excluded. We'll form our own band and we will help stop this parental alienation and very grateful for your help in Not at all. Doing so. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I'll chat with Charlie and I'll catch up with him and see how the walk is going. John, what organisation have you guys come together under? Like, what group do you represent? So, and there's a group there that I, I stumbled across by, by great luck. They're called um, Alienated Children First Ireland and um, Ken Joyce and many, many others uh, keep this group together and put on webinars with experts from across the globe on parental alienation and how parents to handle it and deal with it and how to approach it and understand it because until you see what it is and research it a little bit, it's completely uh, alien to anybody and it's so complex, it takes a lot of understanding to understand the dynamic of how the children are affected and how they operate and how um, yourself to manage it and to manage your own self and emotions and how you interact with your children. Oh, it's going to be upsetting as well as frustrating absolutely every day just to put one foot in front of the other. Alienated children first First Ireland. Ireland. Yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm getting a sense of how really bad or how big a problem it is over the past few days with texts and emails and contacts from members of the public, either themselves or indeed brothers and sisters or mothers or fathers might be on about their sons, you know, or as you say, their daughters. But listen... Thank you so much for taking the call. Do feel free to stay in touch. It's lovely chatting with you. Absolutely, and I really appreciate um, you doing this and helping parents, but in doing so, you're helping many, many children who one day will see what this has happened to them and why. And we'll be grateful for people to stand up and presenters like yourself to speak out and help rid our country from this cancer in our society. So I want everybody to open up and shine the light on this um, toxic, abusive system of parental alienation and say no more. We would not have this amongst our children, amongst our adults, amongst our families, on our communities. We want it rid. Good man. Thanks, John. Appreciate you taking the call. Thank you. That organisation is called Alienated Children First Ireland. Thank you to John for coming on air. Apologies for the quality of the line in parts, but I think it was a powerful conversation with him. You know, you can I can I can always judge topics that garner more response or texts or emails and calls than say other topics. And this is one. Any time that I bring it up or we discuss it on air, I get huge amounts of correspondence on it. I really do. Um, 
and and it, it, to some extent, it's a, it can be a, it can be a legal nightmare dealing with much of the stories that people share with me. You can't put all of them on air because there are two sides to every story, and you could in a breakup situation where you have two partners, a man and a woman, or you know, I, I understand the dynamics changing now, two men, two women. I understand all of that, but in the case of somebody telling a story live on air. You have somebody else listening and in this defamatory legal quagmire that we live in in this country, you're very careful about what you can actually put on air. But you can get stories from people by email or or by text. And here's just another few. Listening about breakups. This couple broke up and they have four lovely children, but the father can't see the kids at all. She is totally against him. Um, She has the kids totally against him. And he was an excellent dad. Uh, He has moved on in his life with the girlfriend, but is heartbroken over his children as he never sees them now. She blocked them at the beginning from going anywhere with him. And he went time after time for them and never got them. Now the relationship between himself and the kids has completely broken down. I feel so sorry for him. I think the dads come out worse uh, and the children now are all having counselling. It's heartbreaking to see these lovely kids who are now suffering themselves. Another one, asking a solicitor to be part of a conversation where their own profession is being brought into question is like asking turkeys to vote for Christmas. You said it yourself, Neil. How many men have contacted you because they have a path worn in and out of the courthouse? And that's just men who contacted your show. All I can tell you is that I've seen this from both sides. There was a well-known lady judge on the Late Late Show a good few years ago. I remember the host asking her if men get treated equally in family court and she replied... Unfortunately, no. She also said that men going back and forth to court to try and prove their cases has led to many of them taking their own lives. Her words. Can you imagine she was telling the Irish people back then and the only thing that has changed is the increase in the legal fees for the men of Ireland. When I hear about equality for all, it makes me smile. Women only want to be on an equal footing when it suits the vast majority of women. And this comes from a man who has seen both sides of this horrible fact. A family member lost out for being honest in a situation like this and lost so much. Lost his house, his children, and was left half the man he was after his marriage breakup. Let me give you one or two more. I'm 31. My parents had a dysfunctional relationship from as early as I can remember. They separated when I was 12. My brothers and I were not allowed to have contact with our dad. I didn't talk to him for nearly 10 years at the direction of my mother. They did not finalize their divorce until five years ago. Hundreds of thousands were spent on solicitors, barristers and courts. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Thank you for that text. It's, um, there, there's a lot more to that story that you don't share where you say you didn't talk to him for 10 years. Did, as you got older, you know, did you start thinking for yourself and then get back in touch with your dad, I wonder? Recently, myself and my ex-wife had to attend a psychologist for a family law court matter. I paid the psychologist my share for both of us attending him, plus the cost of the report he'd have to submit to the court. My share of the costs was uh, short of €1,500. My solicitor recently subpoenaed him to court on my behalf. I had to pay another €950 before he would attend. I'm currently paying 50% of the cost towards a co-parent mediator. The costs are ridiculous. I've paid almost €10,000 this year alone dealing with access issues and the case is still ongoing and far from concluded. 
That's just a selection. There are many more. I'll dip in and out of them back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM. Uh, lots of text on this. Um, uh, yeah, parental alienation does happen more and more to women, and it's actually harder to prove alienation of a mother. Children suffer first and foremost. I have three children, and two of them can't understand why my eldest is after completely changing personality. They were my best friend, but now they don't talk to any of my family or friends who reared them along with myself. I was in a coercive, domestically abusive marriage, and he has now done what he tried to do to me in the 10 years of marriage to my vulnerable children. Don't give out my details, and that's from a mother, female. Uh, text 0868104106. Um, just flipping back, huge, big, huge response, actually, text-wise and indeed call-wise, uh, to coursing and the words of uh, Michael Healy Ray, among other things, he was saying that if you ban hair coursing, then you're going to have to look towards horse racing and indeed the entire meat industry. And we are, would be going down the wrong kind of slippery slope. Kate is a member of uh, McCroom uh, Coursing Club, joins me by phone. Kate, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Uh, you believe that the debate is totally one-sided. Can I just say on that point, Michael Healy Ray was supposed to stay on air and debate with Aideen from the Irish Council Against Blood Sports, but he didn't. He, he let me put it this way, concluded the conversation, uh, to put it kindly. So um, if it was one-sided, it was to no fault of my own. Go ahead anyway. Okay, fair enough. The first thing I'd like to say, I suppose, is with regard to coursing and with regard to what you've been speaking about, I think coursing pales in seems significance into the topic you've been speaking about. Yeah, and I will revisit it. I will be going back to it. Okay, no, I'm just saying, uh, what I I would like to say here is I'm a coursing follower. I've been coursing all my life, my family course. Uh, I object, I suppose, to the way people speak about us. Uh, we're not doing anything illegal, as you have pointed out. A uh, lot of the people that are talking against coursing don't know anything about it. And in fairness, I think even you yourself have said you don't really know an awful lot about it. Mm. Uh, it's not as you the videos, there. Those videos are doctored, mm. as anything can be doctored at mm. this stage. The general, firstly, you did remark that it was the poor parameters of the field and the hair ran around and had no way out. That's wrong. Is there a way out for the hair? Can they find an exit? Yes. There is an exit for the hair. There's what we call an escape, to which the hair is trained to run to it. The hair gets his odds. The two dogs, yes, are left off after, after him. They may or may not turn him. In most cases, they don't. He goes straight. The hair is a very intelligent animal. He goes straight for the escape. If he's now, a very intelligent animal, then he experiences yes. fear. Do you think so? I do. Yeah, we'd be he's chased properly by two. trained. He's properly trained. Do you not think so that there's that the the hare is frightened? Do you think he's not frightened in the open? No, I think it's Are we natural. not all frightened? No, I'm not frightened going about my daily business. Are you not? You just this minute told a lady that it was or, or and certainly meal that it was dangerous to be walking around Cork City at night. Yeah, there are circumstances you yeah, can put yourself in. That's not to, that, okay. It's not comparing like with like, Kate. Well, there's no like with like anywhere if you want to take it that way. Do you think that the, the hair, hair is frightened? No, sir. There's a reasonable right question to, to ask you. Do you think the hair is frightened? No. Okay, you don't. Okay. Do you think the, the hair, hair is, is enjoying it? He's treated. He would enjoy it in the open. Okay. The hair, when the hair is brought in by coursing club, he's treated. 
Here's a wild animal. He suffers from fluke, foot rot, uh, lots of other diseases like that. When he's brought in by the coursing clubs, he's treated for these various ailments, mm. whether he has them or not, he's vaccinated against them. It's a proven fact by a study carried out by a lecturer in Belfast University some years back that in an area where there's a coursing club, the hare population is stronger and healthier. But this is about also, the individual coursed. This isn't about the population of them and whether they're, you know, happy in the wild. Or this is but the trapped, you can, frightened hare. You, you're, you're separating one thing from another here now. Now, the other thing I did actually say to your producer there, as a facilitator, I think you should be impartial. Very hard to you've be, admitted, though. Yeah. You know, you, well, you shouldn't be facilitating it, in, in fairness. The other thing I would like to say is that a poll carried out by News Talk FM in the past number of days. I see it, yeah. Yeah, yeah 30, I didn't hear it being quoted No, because morning. it was only just put into my hand this second. I've only been just made aware of it. Literally. Yeah, if there was a camera here you see in front of me. 81.5% of people that were surveyed, they opened a poll on News Talk, said 81.5% said, don't ban hair coursing. 18% said ban it, and they had 3,800 people um, um, actually vote in the poll. So it's a significant okay. poll. Yeah, It's a significant poll, exactly. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would like to point out is that most, very few hares are actually killed. Yeah. And what the rest are left back out to the open. Yeah, but you don't have, you don't have to kill them for it to be cruel, you see. Well, now, there is, an odd hair, there is a hair killed, maybe one at a meeting, none at a lot of meetings. The other thing the lady quoted there was the number of hairs captured. And she quoted five years ago to last year. I'd like to tell her we were in the, min- in the middle of a pandemic last year. So it's not that the hairs weren't there. It's just that the coursing clubs respected the pandemic and downsized our meetings. Okay, 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 okay. okay. So, so now you... In we're, what we're carrying out is, is legal. Uh, they, whoever emailed in from the coursing clubs, the illegal coursing or illegal hunting that is being carried out by gangs. There's, I don't see anybody of the antis objecting or standing up to them. That's left to the coursing club members. Well, he he, he is a member of a coursing club and he yes, says there yes, are yes. 16 open coursing clubs in Cork. They're not the problem. He says that hares are being slaughtered and murdered Year yep. round, day and night, by gangs of thugs with lurcher dogs. Um, he sent yep. me photographs, actually, of um, yep. at least seven Absolutely. or eight dead and hairs. There is, and the powers that be, including the antis, are doing nothing about it. Okay, okay, okay. That is left to the coursing clubs to that to do that. It's left to the coursing clubs to actually protect the hair. Okay, comes. I mean, I'm out of time for now, but I hope I give you an opportunity to make your points. Are you happy with that? Yes. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I, I will go back to the terrorizing of the hair and the fear that must be going through the hair's head and brain as it's been chased around by two or three, I don't know how many big dogs. You, you don't seem to accept that, though, as being a reasonable... But there you go again now, showing your ignorance on coursing. Two or three big two dogs. Two then, two. You should know that before you came online. Okay. I'm afraid you did not do your research okay. into it. And as I say, as a facilitator... You, you should be better up on it. Okay. 
Happy to chat with you. Thanks, Kate. Regards to you and all of the McCroom Coursing Club. Back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Michael Healy Ray should uh, trying to justify and promote cruelty to animals should hang his head in shame I am shocked at him says Desi and then a Kerry woman uh, Brosnan woman living in Waterford says I'm very disappointed I've always had the utmost respect and admiration for Michael but no way do I agree with his views this time I was out walking my dog last evening I saw fabulous bunnies and hares bouncing around the field uh, as a Brosnan woman living in Waterford, I'm very disappointed. I cycled in this morning, so I came out the Model Farm Road and took the uh, beautiful, beautiful path and gorgeous walkway through all of the gorgeous countryside that will bring you from Model Farm Road to Corraheen. Uh, actually, part of the run, actually, by the river, a small little rivery stream, uh, and you pass um, a pitch and butt club. And early in the morning on the pitch and club, butt club, every time that I'm coming by, if I'm cycling... I don't know whether they're, to be honest, I think they're rabbits. They look small enough to be rabbits. They could be hares. I don't know. Um, but the Pitch and Putt Club, the course itself is full of rabbits, like dozens and dozens and dozens of them. It's just amazing to see. The five freedoms of animals in Ireland, Neil, you need to remind people. Freedom from hunger and thirst, freedom from discomfort, freedom from pain, injury or disease, freedom to express normal behaviour and freedom from fear and distress. Well, that's very interesting because the five freedoms of animals in Ireland, I think that that should also include all of us as humans too. So will we stop fishing and killing chickens and other animals for food as well? Um, Question mark. Another one, I'm a person living on Shirkin Island listening to you. I was wondering if you could ask the Coursing Club listeners if they have any spare hares to contact me. I take hares to give them sanctuary to live out their days without being chased or recaptured. I reintroduced hares to Shirkin seven years ago and I'm looking to get some new females uh, to keep them on the island and to keep the species thriving. They are magical creatures, says an an unsigned texter. Uh, listening on Shirkin. Here we go again, trying to ban country sports and have a go at Michael because he speaks his mind. Morning, just because something is legal doesn't make it moral. There have been many immoral laws over time which have ultimately been outlawed. This should be another one. Some of your listeners will want to ban fishing if they get a chance, says somebody else. Uh, For God's sake, if these people giving out about hair coursing and so-called blood sports put as much time and energy into getting a sustainable government, we'd be much better off. What will they be on to after finishing on our traditional sports and our rights to hunt? Will they start trying to ban the GAA because a player might break a leg? Uh, one or two more. Taking a hair from their natural habitat, confining them is not sport. I was protesting against coursing last year. My son was with me. He turned to me shocked and said, this is surreal. I cannot believe that this is what people believe sport to be. How could people support this and think it's okay, he said. I had no answer for him. So that's just a selection of texts. There are lots more like that. I'll come back to them throughout the course of the morning. we got calls, texts and emails after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Your last caller before 11 made a silly comparison. Having a hair is terrified. She just cannot justify this the same in fox hunting. And uh, so because it's wild and they have trapped it, she thinks it's okay. Uh, that's the problem. They're all very headstrong, significant poll of all of their members. I'm not quite sure what you mean about that poll. It was a news talk poll that was done online. So it had nothing to do with whether members are not voted. It was the general public uh, overwhelmingly voted for um, hair coursing 
not to be banned. The Red Sea poll that I referred to uh, some time back was quite the opposite, totally the opposite. You could flip the, the numbers the other way around. Anyway, here's an interesting text. I don't mind criticism in any way, shape or form. I actually encourage it. The presenter on air is just so stupid. Is a cow scared before it's killed and cut into pieces for the presenter to eat? Yeah, that that's why I believe that you know, ultimately a lot of us are hypocrites because we still eat meat and we still um, eat fish. Um, I, I try not to go anywhere near anything that isn't, say, for instance, um, a free-range chicken. I, I, I know they're not as cheap as, um, you know, the non-free-range, if you like. Uh, and that's a, that's a challenge for people. But then again, I eat fish, but I would never catch a fish. Although somebody said to me that fish don't feel any pain. Um, you know, that might be with regards to the hook, but you ultimately take their life, don't you? You end their life, you take them out of the sea or out of the river and we eat them. Um, anyway, we can come back to that. Let me stay with cause if you don't mind. Brendan's online too. Brendan, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good. So I can't really deal with the hypocrisy of us all if we eat meat, but we hate cruelty to animals. But go ahead anyway. Yeah, but that's what I was just listening to that lady on the book about coursing there while ago and stuff like that. Like it, it's it's our tradition to go hunting here. Like it's like I said to Amanda, I said, where do you get your rabbit shoe from? Yeah, um, I, I've I've no idea. Like, where would it? Where would the rabbit come from in a rabbit's stew? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go hunt, hunting, Neil. Were, no, but were they hunted or were they farmed? Well, I don't know about that, no, I'd never seen a rabbit farm, do you know what I mean? It was always go hunting, like you, the Jack Russells, it was just go hunting. It's the same as going fishing, do you know what I mean? Like, So it's down on all our country pursuits and all our traditions, is it? Yeah, well, like in Cork, like, like years ago, but that's the way it was brought up, like, you know, the, the, the old flats in the Glen. They had the sheds outside, like, every Saturday we used to go and meet out there on the Jack Russells and get the rats out, do you know what I mean, clean the rubbish out and stuff like that, it was called hunting. We go and we get a couple of rabbits and we come home. That's tradition, Irish tradition, yes. Go like, that's how you fed yourself. But but if I were to say to you now that, I'm talking on behalf of myself and maybe all this would agree, that nobody would have any problem with that whatsoever. You went out and you hunted rabbits, you brought it home and you ate them. That's it, yeah. 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 That that no one really would have a problem with that, feeding the family in tough times or what have you. Yeah, exactly, like, that's it. But that was our tradition, like, that's how we fed ourselves and stuff like that. Yeah. But, hunting but, is hunting me, like, But fox like hunting or hare coursing in an enclosed area. Now, it was pointed out to me by the McCroom courses a while ago that there is a gate or an exit out of the enclosed oh, area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I go coursing myself, like, but the dogs are muzzled, do you know what I mean? If you okay. turn the hair, you turn the hair, like, there's okay. no cruelty or nothing involved. Did you ever try and stop and think of it through the hare's eyes or through the brain or the mind of the hare? Uh, no, not really. It's called hunting, do you know what I mean? It's a sport, that's it. It's like the, he said there a while ago, it's, am I going to stop fishing, do you know what I mean? You eat fish, I eat fish. Where'd you get your fish from? Yeah, I know. But is is that like with like at the same time, you know, with the girls? Yeah, well, to it's difficult to say. Everybody have their own opinion in like, but that's just the way we were Do they, You know, when you, when you go horse... And you go so the trouble then as well, because oh, we went they? hunting with the dogs. Yeah, I know. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. You weren't hanging around the streets or anything like that. It was just... I, I still do it to this day. I still do it to this day. But is it sport, though? Um, sport really should have an equal chance for both sides, shouldn't it? It should. It should, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But I'm just... Well, my point of view, like, was hunting is hunting. Do you know what I mean? They're on about coursing and stuff like that. Like, I don't know anything about anything else. But I do what I do. I go fishing, I go hunting, and... 
the hair, yeah, we go coursing, but we turn the hair, the dogs, the muzzles and everything like that, like. But the fox hunting, the one about the fox hunting as well, like. But so if they didn't do that, they'll tell you then in 20 years that there's so many foxes in the country, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, if there's if they engage in culling of a species, that's one thing. But, you know, actively pursuing them, putting the fear of God into them, chasing them down by big dogs... Some regard that as cruel, you know? Yeah, well, that's true too. And some people actually go out and does that, you know, but, and I don't agree with that. But, like, as in us people ourselves, like, we're just hunting people, like, and, yeah, yeah. you know, that kind of way. So when the, when, the, when the dogs turn the hair, as you say, they flip them up in the air, do they injure oh, the hair? Then, like, the dog won, and that's it, like, you know, that kind of way, like, it's just, you turn the hair, and that's it, like, yes, well. You see people going out now, they have no muzzles on the dogs as well, Neil. Do you know that kind of way? And does anyone do anything about them? Because clearly if they have no muzzles, they end up tearing the hair up to pieces, right? Or oh yeah, well, well, I, I don't I don't see things like that, no being honest with you, because like, I don't do things like that, do you know what I mean? But uh, there was people does that, like, but, but it's, at the end of the day, it's just hunting, Neil, and that's it. So just one final text here. I don't know, maybe you can tell me if this is true. In order to entice the greyhound to chase the hare, you have to feed the greyhounds live rabbits when training them. There's a fellow oh, near well, me where I live yeah, and he well, sells well, rabbits well, to the greyhound owners. Is that true? Yeah, well, I, we don't do things like that a lot, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, some people, they probably do. That's like, uh, what do they say, which, uh, the, the staffies? Staffies have a bad name. You train the dog right, like that's what the people do with the staffies. They hang tires off ropes and trees and everything to train the dog that way, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that kind of way. Okay, so do you still hunt for food? Oh, yeah. No, about a rat, I'll be going fishing down in a minute, Neil. You know what I mean? Well, you catch. Uh, well, there's no mackerel, like you said, just. Uh, just why why is that? Huh? Why? Why? It's a simple idea, the big trawlers coming in, Neil. Taking the fish out of the ocean, I mean, those big trawlers are taking 60 tonne of mackerel out of the ocean at the time, like, as you said, years and years ago, we used to go down the beach, the splash to be jumping up on the beach, don't You could walk on them. You could walk on them. It's all these big trawlers taking out, and we can't go fishing either. They, all the French and everything come in here and fish in our waters, and everybody can't go down and fish down. And are they literally just, like, hoovering up the fish out of the sea? Oh, yeah, they're nets, sure, they're, they're nets, do you know what I mean? It's, I've seen them myself, I used to drive trucks, so Bullfish, do you know what I mean? It's, I know it all. Should it. this be the peak season for mackerel now? Oh, they should be fucking... Sorry, Larry. That's all right. They should okay. be in now, Neil. They should be in. Years and years ago, you'd be down across the haven, now you'd be picking them off the beach. And they're not? There's none? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So what are you catching no then? A bit of pollock, is it? Or what would you get? But pardon? What are you getting if you're not getting mackerel? What are you catching? Well, I was out there now yesterday and all I got was one pollock, that was it. <laughs> That's all I got. It ain't, I mean, you may be laughing, but it ain't funny. It's gone, Neil. Yeah. It's all gone. Yeah. yeah. That's why I say tradition is gone. Like, the one about hunting and everything, they're taking everything off us. Do you know that kind of way? All right, pal. Okay. And I'll... I was saying yesterday, you said it yesterday, it was about the mackerel and everything. Years ago, we used to walk in them below the beach. You can't even get one now. Yeah, no, because I was just chatting with people down along at the weekend and it was uh, a fisherman actually it was a car couple that I met down in Port McGee that were doing a bit of a trip around there from Blarney so good morning to them uh, and he's an avid fisherman and we just got chatting about it and he said there are no mackerel that hasn't been for nothing, years nothing, nothing, nothing he nothing, said nothing. and nothing. he said the exact same thing as you did with regards yeah. to the big huge super trawlers that are just literally oh, 600 the time they're pulling out you know what I mean no about a lot of them 
but it's like the Irish fishermen, the round about the Irish fishermen, like uh, all the French would come in here. They're, actually, the Spanish trucks coming in here now with food to us, and they're backloading fish out of Castletown Bay back to their own country. You can't even get an Irish truck to do it. Do you know what I mean? Insane. And tell me this when you say 60. How many? 60 tons on... Or about 60 tons they're pulling out super trawlers they're pulling out at a time, like, do you know what I mean? Each time? Yeah, or one net, where you go. Like, the nuts, 60 the nets, I think, the small fish get out, but they're pulling mackerel out, do you know what I mean? And it's, you see it yourself, it's like, I don't have to tell people. Because you see it yourself. Like, you used to walk in mackerel years ago down the past day and you won't even get a fish down now. I know, you know what I, mean? I know. I know, I know. Brendan, pleasure chatting with you. Thanks so much for taking the call. Take care, take care. Text 0868104106. The Neil Brendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. On my conversations regarding parental alienation, uh, that uh, support group, should you wish to get in touch with it, is called Alienated Children First Ireland. You'll find them on a Google search. Uh, Lots of texts on it where relationships break down and there are children involved. When people see how difficult it is to go to court and pay lots of money on solicitors, many will refuse to get married. No expenses uh, on marriage, no expenses on separation in cases when it happens. It will be happy days for everyone. Don't get married. It's a money racket. Solicitors and barristers are making an absolute fortune from all of these issues in family law. A court order isn't worth the paper it's written on either. Family law is a joke in Ireland and needs to change. Both people need to start at 50-50 and keep things fair. Yes, in an ideal world, it should be that way, including parenting. Uh, Thanks to solicitors, we have now warnings like on an iron saying, do not iron clothes while wearing them or on packets of peanuts may contain nuts. Um, Thank you so much for raising the topic of parental alienation. It's such an important subject and people are so unaware of it. It's so hard for people who are going through it, even extended family like aunts, uncles and grandparents. Another one here. Thanks for raising the topic. It is a truly horrendous situation in which there are no winners. I'm a mother. Thankfully, my young school-aged children still reside with me. But I've witnessed over the past six years of separation the children's father bad-mouthing me and everyone connected with me. The children are being taught to disrespect me. They've been told details of maintenance and details of court, things children should never have to hear about. They've been told I stole them away from their dad and that he never wanted us to leave. It's a constant barrage from when they get into the car until they return to me which is not always guaranteed. He pretty much ignores court orders and kept one of them with him for a long time last year. Eventually, I was able to get him into court and he was ordered to return the child. However, this is not always a given. Anything can happen in family court. This leads to complete confusion in a child's mind. They love me, but at the same time, in their mind, I've treated their dad badly. This confusion manifests, unfortunately, into very troubled children and creates a lot of bad behavioural issues. It's vital that parental alienation is addressed in law to offer hope to children uh, like mine to prevent their lives being ultimately ruined. Thanks for highlighting the issue. Please note this is not a gender issue. This is not something that women do or something that men do. This unfortunately is carried out by men and women. So please do keep those coming if you'd like to share as best you can. You can always email neil at redfm.ie because it is a topic that needs to be continually 
highlighted for everybody, dads and mams. You can text 086-8104-106. I will never give out uh, personal information in any way, shape or form, but I would like to hear more from you. Front of the Echo yesterday had the story, and I was telling you about it, of Danny Doyle, 36-year-old Danny Doyle, who was recently told that he will be six years and nine months on an HSE waiting list for ophthalmology services at Cork University Hospital. That shouldn't surprise us. We've heard of many, many long waiting lists and God knows I've spoken to people on them over the years, but it's getting gradually worse Uh, and it's affecting all sections of society, the very young, everybody else and the elderly. But I just want to have a fast chat with Danny and he joins me by phone. Danny, Danny, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are we? I'm good. And listen, thank you for taking the time out to chat with us. I saw your story on the front of the Echo yesterday morning. Do you mind me asking about the back story as to what happened that led to you losing the eye? Yeah, no problem. So, look, I've always been in a wheelchair. I suffer from osteogenesis imperfecta. Didn't but know. In 2006, yeah, in 2006, that's brittle bone disease is what that is. So, but in 2006, I was over in Manchester um, at a Manchester United match and the taxi that I was travelling in after the game, got hit by a tram. So I went into um, an induced coma, I had a brain bleed, and I lost my eye. So I lost my eye as a result of the crash. So my care was all in the UK because it happened over there in yeah. 2011. But I'm an Irish citizen, so it got transferred over to here in Ireland. And were you still in a coma when you came back to Ireland? How long were you oh, in the no, induced no, coma? Induced. It was an induced coma for a couple of days. I went to number six in the Glasgow coma scale so people with a medical background will recognise that's pretty serious right you know my parents got flown over from Ireland it wasn't looking good but like that's kind of the back story um, but I my care got transferred to Ireland in 2011 I was then put in a wait list to see ophthalmology but it's very important I'm supposed to be seeing these people every year I have one eye so I have to take care now of what I... Yeah. I don't have two eyes, so I have to look out for glycoma. They also have to check the socket. I was put on the wait list in 2011. I finally got to see somebody in 2018. And they said, yes, it's a shame that you haven't been seen every year. It's actually a disgrace. But we need to see you now every year. So COVID hit like everybody. You know, COVID out hitting everybody. So the head of care was kind of all over the place. I got a letter then in June. Um, it was on the... You can see it on the Echo basically telling me that your condition, it was a generic letter saying that your condition might deteriorate and it might be irreversible. And so permanent. Ra- permanent, and irreversible permanent, deterioration. Yeah. Yeah. I have, Neil, I have one eye. Like, so, like, when you have two eyes, if you lose one, you can function okay, you know, with one. But if I have, like, on top of me being in a wheelchair, if I have no eyes, that's just an absolute disaster. Totally. You know, so I have to take care of it. Totally. Like, I have full-time employment. Yeah. Like, I'm not getting something off the state. I'm in full-time employment. I can't get private health insurance because I have pre-existing condition. They were insuring it for five to seven years. So I can't get private health insurance. So I was on, I rang central appointments on the 27th of July. And I asked them, I said, what? I just got this letter. What is it? Why am I not being seen? I need to be seen every year. He said, you have two options. Your first option is to go into a and I said, I don't need to go to a Why am I going to a and departments are under enough stress and pressure. I don't need to go to a and said, your second option is to get your GP to refer you again. I said, why is my GP referring me again? Well, that's taking up more money. He said, you're currently on a waiting list for six years and nine months 
for a, a referral appointment. Bear in mind, I'm supposed to have this appointment every year. And this is the second not. lengthy delay because the first one was from yeah. 2011 to 2018. Yeah, and I'm supposed to have this appointment every year. And I'm in the, like, it makes me laugh. I see in the news there, even today, the, the, over in the UK, the NHS, rather than pay dispute and stuff. But, like, it's like chalk and cheese from over there to here, the care I got. You know, it was multidisciplinary care. Um, in the UK, and they all talk to each other. The ironic thing is, like, I, you know, it's unfortunate to say this, but I am under Dr. Professor Rachel Crowley up in the same Vincent for my bones for rheumatology, the bone clinic, every yeah. year. Yeah. And it runs like clockwork. Go away. It's brilliant. What's the I'm problem with ophthalmology? Medicine, yeah. Is that, that they don't have enough consultants or staff in that area? They were in a unit up in the CUH, what I know, um, you know, and wasn't fit for purpose. They're transferring to Southern Farmery. But I've also been told today by the report on the Echo, sorry, yesterday, that he con- they contacted the hospital and they're, due- they're trying to replace doctors, trying to employ two new doctors. Where, like, what, my, I can't get over them. This is a management problem. Like, the people in there, there's a man, if you're not doing your job, mate, in the morning, you're going to be replaced. Yeah. If I'm not doing my job in the morning, well, I'm going to be replaced. You know, these people are not accountable to anybody. They're not accountable, like. And you don't even have any assurance that in six years and nine months' time, you'll even be seen then, you see. Not at all. I don't like, like, how, how did he come up with this figure, like? How did he even come up with six years and nine months? Like, how did he even come up with this, like? You know, like, I don't get it, you know? This is the second city. You know, and I'm best, I, I, I can talk about this. I was on the care in the UK, you know, I up in Dublin for another clinic. So I see it all around. It just, whatever it is down here in Cork, whether the doctors want, don't want to live here or what, I don't know. It's, we have a beautiful city, but I don't get it. You know, the far, just some statistics now with regards to the people. So you're on a waiting list, but yet people who are getting appointments are not turning up for them. And the last available statistic now, it is five years old, but it said that, 476,000 people in one year alone did not attend appointments and you're desperate to get one. Here in Cork, in any one given year, they say it can be anywhere in the region of 50,000 appointments in Cork and Kerry where people don't show up for a hospital appointment. How does that make you feel? Yeah, angry, like, because there's people, like, there's people worse off than me. You know, there's, like, there's people better than me. Like, why can't we find these people? The system is broken. We're all on about the system is broken. It's not working. I don't know what's the solution to go back to the Southern Health Board and the Eastern Health Board. I don't know, but I'm not paid to come up with these decisions. I know. Yeah. The system is broken. It's absolutely broken. People need to understand this. Our politicians like commission a report and this report and this report. Uh, but they're all telling us the same thing. So your it's only option broken. is to go private, isn't it? Yeah, well, my option is to go private, you know what I mean? But, like, my, my like the wait list of private as well, I, you know, is, is ridiculous. But I can't get private health insurance, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. like, there's no man, woman, or child in this country is going to pay for private health insurance when you can't claim off it for five to seven years because you have pre existing conditions. That's like putting water into a bucket with a hole in it. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so with brittle bone, you must be very careful because they literally are brittle. They could break very easily, isn't it? They could break any time. And the main thing with losing one eye is your depth perception is gone. So I don't know how far things are aware. I I don't have 3D vision 
anymore. So my eye is, I have a prosthetic eye. So I don't have 3D vision anymore. You know, so like, it's like these are the, the day-to-day things that I have to be careful for. So my, 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 my only eye, my good eye, my right eye, you know, I have to take care so of it. So it's the only one yeah. eye you can't really kind of put things in context like the rest of us. Is that what you're saying when you no, say you don't no, have like 3D? The easiest way to explain it to somebody is if you put a glass on the table and I get a bottle of water and you ask me to pour a bottle of water into the glass. There's a very good chance I'm missing the glass. Go away. You know? Yeah, very good chance. Like anybody will, when I will tell you the same. Yeah. So your depth perception is gone. Your brain does retrain itself to a certain extent, you know? Um, and like, you, you, that's just, it is what it is. But like, that, I'm not, that doesn't even bother me, you know, because I have a disability anyway. So like, I just get on with it. But how can we accept this? Like, I, I, the annoying thing with me, the thing I'm really angry about is, from 11 to 18, I got into this clinic. So I'm in the clinic. I got over that hurdle. So that hurdle of the waiting list I'm in. Now for your yearly referral appointment, when doctors are telling me, or in the UK and Ireland, they need to be seen every year. Yeah. And I've just been told now, well, that follow-up appointment will be six years and nine months. And getting oh, longer. Unacceptable. Yeah. 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 I mean, it wouldn't be acceptable if it was six months, never mind one year. This is just short of seven years. A waiting list for yeah. seven years. For a follow-up it's appointment. It's shameful. It's, uh, people, they just, I don't know, are they up in an ivory tower? Where are these people? We all know what COVID is. And everybody knows the pressure the country is under. You know, our, our heating bills are going through the roof. I just, I live on my own. I got an ESP bill today, 180 euro. You know what I mean? Yeah. Live on my own. Yeah. We're all under pressure. Yeah. Everyone is. But this is going on for years. And they're hiding behind COVID. This is a management problem. The management problem. COVID is an easy excuse, though, isn't it, though, Danny? Yeah, it's completely. Like, and we're all sick and tired to death of hearing about COVID. Trying to get on and be positive. And we are doing not a bad job, if you ask me, of course. You know, yeah. but, like, this is it's not acceptable. Yeah. I just cannot take this as being acceptable that my follow-up appointments are every year, I've been told, six years and nine months. So what happens if something does happen my right eye? I am no blind for life. You know what I mean? And like that causes difficulties being in a chair. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, I know. I know. You know what I mean? That's I what we're talking about. I know. I know. Listen, I'd love to get other people's opinions, but do stay in touch. You're a passionate man. Pleasure talking to you. Look after yourself, Dan. Thank you. Well said. Well said, 100%. Text 0868104106. Uh, Just stay stay with that if if you like. Just staying on ophthalmology, ophthalmology, I should say. Not the easiest word in the world. Paul is on. My apologies. I'm 92. Paul, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? He's a powerful young man, isn't he, Danny Doyle? Yeah, I was reading about it yesterday, and I felt guilty about feeling sorry for myself. No, but I just, I know I read it too, but just chatting with him, like he's, he's a passionate man, he's got excellent points of view and, and, and in spite of everything else, he's got a great outlook on life and the world and proud he of does, his city and his country. Down about it. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, just uh, obviously in relation to myself, um, I've been on a waiting list for the ophthalmology department for five years. It was in and around this time, 2017. Basically, I wear glasses, I've been most of my life. Uh, the optometrist is went for a general checkup. She noticed something wrong with the pressure. She said, you're going to have to get this seen by someone. She's probably not qualified. Directed me to the GP. GP took a look at the letter from her. GP referred me to the ophthalmology department up in the CUH. Yeah. So that was, as I said, five years ago. Um, 
Nothing I, since? Yeah, you get the odd letter out if you want to stay in the list. Yes, I do. And then I got one. This is what's kind of, it's funny, but wasn't so serious. This is the last letter I got there a couple of months ago. Basically, kind of saying, you're still on the list, you're still on the list, but some people say priority. But they, they, they're do you ever get a letter that, saying, do you, do, people get letters. I wonder, did you get one in the last five years? Get a letter, saying, I get a letter every maybe five or six months asking me if I want to stay on the list. Uh, that's the one I'm talking about, yeah. yeah. Do you want to stay on the that. list? What's that nonsense? If you don't send a letter back to take you off the list. I think they're hoping some people will read the letter, put it in a drawer somewhere and forget about it. I agree with you 100% on that. I you hope. You have to get the letter back or you're, you're off the list. But anyways, so I'll, I have the letter in my hand here. Some oil problems can progress over time and may result in deterioration. Danny got the same letter. Yeah, that's what I want the waiting list for to check that out. Yeah, is that glaucoma? Glaucoma, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. And is your, is your sight gradually diminishing? No, no, my, my sight is okay. I am seeing these kind of slight things floating around my eyes now and again, which can be a sign. What's the it's problem with ophthal- ophthalmology? Well, as I said to uh, your colleague Kevin there, I've actually been in the ophthalmology department in the last few weeks, not related to this. I caught a dose of shingles. I had a viral infection in my eye. So I had, I had to go through the A&E. And he, the, the fellow who checked my well, eye must have spotted something, and maybe he's not allowed to tell me, because he asked me if there's any history of glaucoma in my family. And I said, no. I said, it's funny you bring it up. I have been on a waiting list. He said, okay. And I wanted to push him, but he looked like he didn't kind of, maybe he's not trained or whatever. But, you know. But he, he definitely spotted something. He, he must have. Yeah, he certainly spotted something anyway, that's for sure. Yeah. What, do you, make of the, what do you make of the half a million people a year that are failing to turn up for hospital appointments in Ireland? Because Rishi Sunak in the UK is saying he's going to find them a tenor, every one of them. I wouldn't completely disagree with that. Probably in the minority there, but I mean, it isn't fair. It's not fair. I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can cancel now. Emails, phone calls, you know, it's... So, communication. okay, if you look at nationally, say a half a million people not turning up for GP appointments and some of them might, maybe tens of thousands of them are for ophthalmology. That's denying you a space. That's denying Danny a space. And just not to turn up. I mean, and it's not as people don't know how bad the waiting lists are, you know, like half a million Jesus, I don't know. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? My head. Yeah. How many is that per day? I mean, I don't know. I mean, go and do the maths yourself on that. Appreciate the call, though. Look after yourself, Paul. Cheers. Thanks, Take care. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Interesting email uh, with regards to relationship breakdowns. I have to keep things vague in many cases because, you know, vagueness keeps everybody safe. But uh, Chap says, uh, I have an ex-partner who's getting, let me just put it like this, hundreds a week from social welfare and uh, hundreds a week from me for maintenance. Uh, but last week I received a letter from, this is an ex-partner, now they're separated, Received a letter from the mortgage company saying that for 15 months payment has not been has not been made on the mortgage and it's going to go legal, and I have to get a solicitor again to sort things out. It had been agreed in court that she would cover the mortgage. She told the judge she was, even though in all the years we lived in the house, never paid a penny towards it. Uh, I've even told her that I'll pay the mortgage as part of the maintenance agreement, but that was refuted, saying that she wanted the money and that the social will buy the house from her and she'll rent it back for them which is just a joke. While I work 70 hours a week uh, for well over a decade to cover all the bills and the mortgage for this house, uh, and now she'll lose everything that I've done for the kids and all because social are just giving her everything she wants based on lies and never checking if anything she says is actually based on truth. 
Uh, she has told them I give no maintenance. I have emailed social. I've written to them to prove that I do pay and they keep ignoring me. I, as a man, am broke from solicitors, but I now again have to get one of them so that the issue with the house doesn't get out of hand and my kids are left with no home. The legal system in Ireland is a joke. Don't give out my details. Thank you for your time. You mentioned the frustration and the exasperation in that man's life every single day. Bear in mind, there are two sides to every story. I don't mean to be disrespectful to him, but there are two sides to the story. Not that I don't believe him, but I've learned over the years that, you know, you get one side of a story. There's there's always another. Does that sound disrespectful to him? I hope not. Text 0868104106. Right, lad. Tom, lad. Where are you? Dunkettle, is it? No, I was on Dunkettle yesterday. Right, what you see? Another one of those dastardly speed vans misbehaving, is it? <laughs> misbehaving. It's totally illegal, I think, in my own mind, what they were doing. Anyway, I'll just get through. I just want to make one comment there. I'll just go to show the state of the... The health service when you've you've uh, Danny on the on the phone there looking for um, an appointment for last six months. I know he's I mean, a powerful young man though, in spite of what he's going through. Yeah. And, you know that just goes to state the show, the state of the, the the way the country is at the moment. But that's besides the point. We can that's, seven that's years and nine months. Yeah. Okay, it's not a great line anyway. What did you see yesterday? Right, uh, yesterday coming out of uh, Silver Springs, coming up onto the Dunkettle roundabout. Um, I was taking a right and then left, heading down the main, uh, heading towards Carrick and Middle, Middleton Road, you know? Yeah. Um, it's at a 60 when you take the left at the traffic lights on the Dunkettle roundabout. Okay, so I was accelerating. And on my left-hand side, you have uh, two cars, cars as well, trying to merge the green. Hang on, Tom, people are going to turn us off because that phone line is just shocking to the world. I do want to complete the phone call, but I need to clean the line up. And if I can do that, that'll be great. Oh, listen, tell me if you just try and fix that. He's going to make the point that, I think he's going to make the point that... um, that uh, the speed van yesterday at the Dunkettle flyover was on a construction site. And whether or not that's legal or not, does the Gatso have a safe pass to be on site catching people from inside or at least on the, within the environs of a construction site, which is what the greater Dunkettle area is. OK, I may well come back to that. Apologies for the quality of the phone line. I was telling you, and we have been doing for weeks, giving away wonderful family passes for all sorts of terrific tourist locations across the county. And I'd encourage you again, like I've been saying all along, to download um, the Explore Cork app and it will take you to 850 different places. Might take you many years to get to see them all, but that's the amount of people on the app, uh, places on the app to see and do around Cork. And we're giving away family passes every single day. Today, it is the turn of Camden Fort Mar. And I had an opportunity to visit Camden Fort Mar maybe four or five summers ago. Mind-blowing. You know, you have what's above la- ground, but mother of God, if you've been there and you've gone underneath the forts to see what's under them, it's just incredible. And we're talking about history that goes back to the 1500s. So we have family passes to give away for Camden Fort Mar. And I'm joined this morning to tell us a little bit more by Sean O'Sullivan, who's the director at Camden Fort Mar and head of enterprise for local enterprise office in South Cork. But he joins me by phone, I guess, talking about the fort itself. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for having us on. And listen, thank you for the passes. So give us, um, give us a quick guide to um, the history behind the fort itself. Clearly way back in the day, it was British military, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fortification on the site um, goes back to, you know, to, to the 1500s. 
Um, and then there's been various sort of, uh, you know, uh, elaborations of that over the years. But I suppose what you see today probably stems back mainly into the, into the 1800s um, with kind of the British fortifications and the, and the recognition of, you know, how important um, uh, coastal artillery defences were and particularly the geography of where, where we're located yeah. relative to the Western defences of, of, of Britain and what have you. So the fort kind of evolved particularly during the 1800s. Um, in, in, in relation to that. And I suppose then when you move on a little bit and you come into 1922 into the Anglo-Irish uh, uh, Treaty and what have you, then you had um, what was called um, the, the treaty ports at the time. So when, 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 when the Irish state was being formed, a number of the ports um, in Cork and Bearhaven and up in Loch Swilly, up in Donegal, um, retained... Uh, ownership by the British Defence Forces to ensure that kind of security for... for, 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 for so it took defenses. some decades before we got, for want of a better term, got them back. We found that in conversation the other day when we yeah. were talking to the lads John Crotty out in Spike. Same thing happened Absolutely. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same thing happened there. And it, 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 it was only until... It, 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 was, it was in kind of 1938 that the forts were handed, the forts were handed back um, in, in relation to it. And it, I suppose in, in what we see today is in uh, Cork County Council ownership and um, what have you and they were tra- that was transferred to Cork County Council in 1989 by the Defence Forces Yeah I mean because uh, there, were, there were clearly without interrupting there's Camden yeah. as we call now Camden Fort Mar there's James yeah. Fort there's Carlisle there's Charles Fort I'm probably forgetting half of them Fort am Davis. I? Yeah, yeah absolutely um, there's, there, 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 there's a kind of a network of forts um, you know right around um, right around Ireland. But you know, what, you know what blew my mind about Camden, Fort Mar? Yeah. Okay, you have the traditional classical structure of the fort. But what's sure. going on underground? The, all of the tunnels and the chambers oh. and the munitions. It's magnificent, really. I mean, um, and I think when you, when you come through the gates of the fort, what you see is, you, you know, you, you, you see the overground buildings and the, the kind of probably the traditional things you expect to see maybe in a fort, particularly one that was occupied and lived in and what have you. Um, but once you take a step on the ground and you really see, I mean, we're talking about an expansive site here, uh, you know, 43 acres of a site, um, lots of buildings above ground, but really 50% of all, more than 50%, probably over 60% of the built environment is underground. And what's so down there? There were, there were turrets for cannons anyway, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was, there was, there was, there was defense turrets. There's, there's, uh, there's caverns full of, of, of ammunition stores. Um, there's the, 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 the old jail cells would be underground, um, some of the living environment, um, and it connects the top of um, Rams, the, the fort is on Ram's Head over, over Crosshaven. And what it does, the, 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 the tunnels connect you right from the top of the fort right down to water level, you know, where they would have been bringing things in uh, um, f- uh, from, from, from the seaward side. Um, into the fort at the times going way back. So, there's, so, there's so that's where you see labyrinth. this, yeah, a, a down the side of it at the steepest drop I've ever seen yeah. is almost like a vertical train track kind of. Is that yeah, to pull, pull stuff from the sea? Pulley systems, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How um, do they build absolutely. these things? Oh, listen, I mean, the engineering um, and uh, the, the, the sweat and labour that went into these um, you know, when you, when you have to imagine, you know, from first of all, the difficulty of the site, uh, or what have you, it was just unbelievable, really, what they were able to do at the and, time. And, and literally, uh, it was brute strength, force, wasn't yeah. it? Force, yeah. like horses yeah. and men, I suppose, wasn't it? 
Yeah, horses and men. I mean, we have there's there's there's, there's, a, there's a, as well as the tunnels that get you down through the through, through the through the elaborate stairwells and stuff. There's a there's what we call a zigzag. It's a roadway that wends its way down the steepness. Um, and it would have been horse and cart, and that would have been on those. And you can still see the tracks um, around that. For, you know, for the for, for the horse. And that yeah. Thing. Any any idea the ra- there are guns down there um, and, and f- much more modern than cannons. What what would their range yeah. be? Well, the, 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 the initial guns um, that would have been on the fort would have been really for... Uh, Spike would have had the biggest guns because they would have been aiming out to see if you can picture uh, Cork Harbour. So uh, Camden Fort Mar would have kind of been one of the, the, the cross defences in the main. Yeah. Um, but, but, I mean, the range is, it would still be extensive of, of the larger guns. I think I, mean, I saw a sign down at Camden Fort Mar at a gun said it had an eight-mile range. For the bigger guns, absolutely. Wow, um, that's in relation to it, How much accuracy so, I, in an eight-month, in eight? Oh, month, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, the accuracy of the guns would probably would, would probably be you know <laughs> in question at the time. I mean, one of one of our big projects now for the next two or three years because is to restore you know get 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 replicas made um, of these kind of guns so that when visitors come in. The first thing you expect to see in a fort is, is the guns, but to get the right kind of guns put back in place, that's kind of one of our targets over the next number it's of years. Because every time someone comes through, yeah. they will see something different. You, if you, you said you were there four or five years yeah. ago. If you came in today, you will see more buildings restored. You'll see the old gun sheds restored, the, 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 the workshops and various different things, you know. Um, so you'll see so much more. But you don't have to be into the history. That's the beauty of Camden Fort Mar. It's the location. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. I mean, if you come in, you, you can take a full 360 view. You can start looking out at Rogers Point, look back over Cove and Spike. Oh, you're talking about the panoramic views all around oh, you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, families, when they come down, I mean, you know, some people will be interested in, in, in the, the, the military. Some people will be interested in the social history. Some people just want to be there for a picnic. You know, we welcome people bringing their, you know, coming in for a picnic and stuff like that. And we have volunteers on site. And I think probably one of the things that really is, is really important to say is, the, the, the contribution of the volunteers, you know, since back going back to about 2010, yeah. since yeah. we started to restore the fort, they're there to meet you as a, as, as a guest when you come in. I love it. And to give you a flavour of everything. And August is a very busy month, of course, because you're doing military reenactments. You have a concert there Saturday night with the Cork Light Orchestra, don't you? Wow, yeah, that'll be incredible. We do, we do. Unfortunately, that's sold out at the minute. Good. Um, but we do have, we have um, other local artists. You know, we have Billy Kennedy and his band coming on Saturday the 20th. Um, and you know beautiful venue really it's very intimate um, in terms of coming up here and like you know to be able to to, to put on uh, venues for local artists coming out of COVID now and everything they would have suffered is, 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 is we're delighted to be able to do it and thanks to the Arts Office in Cork County okay. Council for you know approaching us for that but, but yeah, yeah. End, end of August is one of our biggest shows the model show when you um, say model show modelling what? modelling all kinds of models that people are making from boats to planes to wow. ports to trains to, I mean, and it's something thousands of visitors um, uh, rave about the model show. It's worth coming to see because, one, you get to explore the whole of the fort, but in all the different aspects and areas of it, um, there's something new to see, particularly on this weekend. People come from all over Ireland displaying uh, the wares and the work. And, and that's place. on August 28th. Now, just to oh, wrap yeah. up, um, the yeah. Camden Fort Mar opening hours to the public are weekends only, are they? Weekends only, yeah. I mean, okay. it's, a, it's, it's, it's again, it's, a, it's, it's volunteer staffed and operated weekend. So it's open from 12 to 5 um, every weekend and on bank holidays. Um, last entrance at uh, 4.15. Uh, if, 
you know, easy access. It's even uh, on a bus route, for God's sake, the 220 the, the bus. 220. <laughs> The 220 bus route, I think, has to be the best bus route, bus route in Ireland because every time you you, 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 you walk out the gate, the buses either come out or go on. So you can get there from Alan Colleague with the new bus fares, you know, with the Transport for Ireland, you know, for, for, for almost less than two euro. Well you know? said. I mean, <laughs> phenomenal. You know? Okay, well, um, listen, thank you for the family passes. I do appreciate it. Yeah. I'll recap here just when I let you go on the events across August, but I'll be encouraging people to get down there. As they say, it's a wow, Camden Fort Mar. Listen, thanks for taking the call, Sean. Appreciate it. You're very passionate about it. Cheers. Yeah, no worries. Sir. Welcome. Thanks for so much. Take care. Camden Fort Mar is open to the public at weekends. Very accessible. The 220 bus stop stops outside the door and it's a damn big door and across August they have military reenactments concerts that sold out this weekend, War of Independence weekend on the 20th of August and 21st and the huge model show is happening on the 28th of August. Further details can be done by getting online indeed to book tickets and things like that uh, would be where's the web address there camdenfortmar.ie www.camdenfortmar.ie we have three family passes to give away now get dialing 0818 104 uh, 106 and we'll drive on lads and uh, do it all over again tomorrow have a good day i'll see you tomorrow for more red fm podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast